0: On this episode of the Blue Falcon Initiative, we talk about traveling defensively and how to analyze any environment for potential threats. Yep, it's the third episode of the Blue Falcon Initiative and I'm sitting here by myself in the studio because James has made, <laughs> he has made an outrageous claim he was going to make an entrance into the studio after we started and he's done so and James has entered the studio <laughs> looking outrageous as ever. Let me, lay, let me lay the groundwork out for you uh, for what's happened here. He has entered our studio uh, wearing some sort of flowery Hawaiian shirt.
1: This is my vacation shirt.
0: Uh, clearly. No one could ever mistake it for a regular <laughs> shirt. There's no doubt about that. You got like a super boonie cap going there. Yep. And you got a fanny pack that's got like a... You're over the shoulder fanny pack, like under the armpit type thing.
1: This is the the vacation episode. So, you know, I wanted to... Uh show you what I was gonna be wearing in order to blend in with the populace.
0: Sadly I think you're gonna be right on the money. That's uh that's awful. But I think you're right. Everyone's gonna be wearing those terrible clothes.
1: One (laughs) hundred These are functional clothes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I don't I don't know about that. Well, what's special about that? I hope you don't wear that one because I see several firearm outlines like embedded in the flowers on that one. Well, it's, it's
1: a little bit of it has that uh intimidation factor. Like, oh yeah, that's that's yeah, what's like, going to Is keep this you guy safe. Pablo Escobar or <laughs> is he a tourist, you know? I don't think you have the complexion to pull that off, dude. <laughs> I got the I got the mustache. That's a start.
0: Yeah, that is a start. Yeah. Hey, uh before we get going too far here, what are we drinking? Some drinks have evaporated
1: on the table here. They look amazing. What do we got? Um it's um I know you probably haven't seen Harry Potter.
0: I have, actually. Oh,
1: that's the the butter beer right there. Oh, dang. That's very good. I've read all the books, too, by the way, just so I can... It seems to mix well with the whiskey. Man. Not bad. It tastes like butterscotch. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it mixes well with that. What whiskey are we using today?
0: Uh, Oh, yeah. So uh, we've got something special here. I, I picked this up from the Northeast about three years ago. It's a Russell's Reserve Kentucky straight bourbon, aged ten years, uh, so it's a nice occasion. That's very nice. It yeah. tastes very good. I appreciate that, James. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it mixes it pretty well with that. Fantastic. Cool. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about traveling the world and being defensive and doing it safely, and how do how to approach any situation without uh, getting any trouble? Because uh, I think James is going on vacation soon. If correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Yeah. So um, I'm going to be doing my honeymoon. Finally, I'm, we've been married like a year and a half already. But due to COVID, we haven't been able to take our honeymoon. Um, so finally, just uh, like two months ago, just like, hey, let's just get get this over with. And out of the blue, picked Belize. And so uh, I just thought it'd be cool to bring up um, self-defense options and mindset and apply it to the honeymoon coming up. And uh, whatever we come up with today, I think uh, it's going to be less of like a a debate sort of episode and more of a, like a knowledge transfer. Yeah. And I'll be trying to apply some of these, these theories or practices into my vacation coming up and, and uh, hopefully come back um, safely and, and report back how they worked and what could have been done differently or um, if it was efficient. Yeah. I I think that's going to be really interesting because I have a bunch of things
0: that I want to talk about, like generalities for environmental analysis, like any situation. And I know you've got a ton of stuff that you want to talk about. Like specifically, I know you want to talk about, uh, you know, different uh, weapon alternatives. One cool thing that that we're afforded as uh, (laughs) – and the dog has made its way into the studio and is back out again. All right, Yeah, so one thing that is fantastic about the job that we work, James, is that we're, we're allowed to carry our firearms anywhere we go domestically. But, of course, if you're going to be traveling internationally, you lose that privilege.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Not only that, it's like uh, other options that whatever options people have come up with uh, besides firearms. It may not be um, legal in whatever countries that they're traveling to. And, um, you know, crime is one uh, threat to your safety there. But then there's also like the threat of being locked up abroad, which could be worse, you know, a worse fate than, than, uh, some of these organizations. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, actually the last congressional report that
0: I read about Latin America, uh, stated that about half of all government officials are on the take. So your chances of getting a fair shake or even a trial at all are quite low.
1: Yeah. So, um, we'll be talking about, um, Belize, like how some of these, these, these practices will, will apply to the trip to Belize, but We'll also, be t- talking broadly about like Central America, uh, just because a lot of these things might be really relevant there. It's a, they're all t- huge travel des- destinations for uh, American citizens and um, all pose like the same sort of dangers,
0: right? I think this is going to be really good. Uh, you like you said, it's not going to be as much of a debate, but I know I'm going to learn a lot because just, just before the episode, we were talking about just you know things we wanted to get in and. Uh, you've got a ton of cool things that I don't know much about, so I'm kind of excited about that. So, okay, so here's what we're going to be talking about today. At, at, uh, we're going to start by talking about, you know, different, uh, just generalities, weapon alternatives, storing valuables maybe on the fly, uh, and, and strategies and stuff like that. Uh, other stuff we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some ba- basic nonverbal behavioral patterns. And, and uh, near the end, we're going to be talking about a professional strategy for constantly analyzing your environment for threats. This is something that anybody can do. We're going to give you actual actionable tips that we learned professionally and we'll pass them on to you. So why don't we get started? Let's talk about like some of the, just the basic generalities of international travel, James.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, generally like people are in like their vacation mode and their vacation mindset and, um, are completely oblivious to some of the dangers no matter where it is. And, um, and I know like my family has, has come into contact with some of those dangers simply because, They didn't have the right mindset when they were traveling and and, um, some of which was in Central America, some of which which was in Western Europe, you know, which I think um, the crime is is usually going to be based around, you know, economic engines. And of course, tourism is a humongous economic engine and maybe the only economic engine in some of these countries that people travel to.
0: Yeah, I think that's gonna be. I think it's gonna be great. And what's interesting is that you know here domestically we're all pretty safe for the most part, unless you live in one of the you know one of the really you know dangerous metropolis areas that we do have in the states. But for us way out here, like you know, everyday crime is not a thing. And so you know, you and I being professionals, we're always we always have our eyes up and we're always looking for what we need to be looking for. But for the general person, I don't think they understand exactly how dangerous it is in Central America.
1: Yeah, And, and like I said, and or any other. Spot where Americans are are visiting, because um, like I said, they they're they're easy prey most of the time. Like uh, I've had family that's been in in Western Europe and had been pickpocketed, in, which completely sidelined the rest of their their vacation until they were able to to cut off those credit cards and and keep track of what what they did lose and and supplement it. And um, I've also had either family members or people I know travel to, to Mexico, um, which like growing up uh, on the Southern border in San Diego, um, everyone always told you Mexico was a safe place as long as you stayed in the tourist areas. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, since I've, I've grown up and, and, um, seen a lot of the the populace coming ac- across the border, I've, I've come to learn that that's simply not true.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I know you're right about that because you and I, you know, we live in Texas and so we have, you know, some proximity to Mexico itself. And I see headlines all the time. You know, we see reports all the time of criminal activity that's happening just on the other side. And I'm looking at uh, a list right now that we've pulled up. It, the, the top most dangerous cities in the world are all in Mexico right now. you know <laughs> yeah. so how, how It doesn't can,
1: surprise me. And, and are any of those, you know, the tourist spots that... That Americans mostly travel to.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, I've got Salia is number one. Uh, that's got 109 homicides per hundred thousand uh, in in the city. Uh, but Tijuana is a close second at 105, and then Juarez. Juarez is a big crossing, of course, by El Paso. So everybody goes there. But uh, man, that yeah, that's, that's, doesn't that's... surprise
1: me. Uh, Tijuana was was a huge um, vacation spot where, when growing up in San Diego, people always went for the weekend and into Tijuana just to do some day, day drinking or, or surf, surf trips down Baja. And, um, like I said, like we were always told as long as you stay in those, those touristy areas, you're going to be safe. And I mean, clearly it's not true. And I know, uh, Cancun comes in at like number 12, right?
0: Yeah. Some, somewhere just off the top 10, you know, and, and Cancun is on the horn of Mexico. It's very close to where you're going.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I also had some personal family friends that were down in Cancun on vacation, and uh, heard automatic gunfire from the restaurant. Everyone got down and went outside. There's blood all over the street, and, and I mean, so yeah, they witnessed a, a drive-by in the middle of Cancun. So
0: yeah, I think that I think a, a lot of tourists are sold on the fact by well, I was, was going to say travel agents, It don't really exist mm-hmm. anymore. But when you're researching, I think the tourism industry is 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 banking on the fact that strength in numbers is a good defense tactic. Yeah. But it doesn't always work. You know, we see, if you see like a, you know, a pack of antelope, like the, the ones that are straggling are the ones that get picked off, even though there's a bunch of them nearby. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, I think there is something to be said for that. I see, head, like I said, I see headlines all the time. You know, like this resort was shot up, that resort was shot up. And we're kind of keyed into that, you know, based on, on the line of work that we're in.
1: Yeah. That that prey versus uh, predator mentality is going to come in a lot this podcast. Uh Cause I think that's, that's the whole idea. And the goal for this upcoming trip is like, I'm, I'm white. My, um, my wife is white and there's no way, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be walking around with a sombrero or something to, to blend yeah. in. So, uh, there's, there is no blending into yeah. the local populace. It's more about like, you know, I'm going to be in that group of antelope, but I want to be the least appealing antelope in that group because yeah, yeah, agreed. the group is going to be targeted as a whole. But it's about making yourself, you know, blend in. I, I hate the term gray man, it, but you know, it serves its purpose. Definitely, like, the idea is to just uh, blend in with that populace and not be, uh, not have any indicators of, or be appealing, you know, to to predators out there. So yeah,
0: well, that's why that's why zebras stick together in a pack because the predators can't tell where the stripes start and stop on exactly. each animal. Yeah. So you want to be somewhere within that long thing of stripes mm. and that's kind of the goal here for sure and this outfit is it represents my stripes it uh, and sadly it does you <laughs> blend in very well it looks so hideous but that's what everyone
1: will be wearing
0: <laughs> and that was great man this that. is
1: the ultimate gray gray man uniform right here yeah going just straight
0: yeah. flamingo is the way to, to blend <laughs> in apparently down there but, but I think you're right.
1: right I think you're right all right, so what do you want to talk about first?
0: Why don't we hit? Uh, why don't we hit some just like basic common sense stuff about just traveling in general? Because there's a couple that just always annoy me, you know. So why don't we hit some of that? I know we can talk about some of the the weapon alternatives and the storage stuff. So let's knock that out first, and uh, we'll just lay some ground groundwork before we get into like the real tactical stuff. So one thing, this is here's the thing that always drives me insane. And for some reason, I always think of Boston when I think of this. Every time I've gone to Boston, it seems like it's trendy to be the guy walking on the sidewalk with with earbuds in your ears. Uh huh. You know, and that's really, and I know that Boston's a liberal city, and, you, you know, all the little snowflakes up there have to listen to their Offended Millennials Handbook podcast or whatever it now, is. No, I mean, but.
1: that's going to be any, any metropolitan city. I mean, like, it, as soon as you said that, it made me think of San Diego as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of thing that
0: will get you in big trouble. Like if I was going to attack somebody, I would just, you know, wait until all of their senses were preoccupied. Cell phones are another big one. You know, if you need, if if you, if you need to pay attention to what's going on around you, you have to give something up. And that means media. Yeah. And I don't think people are willing to do that. But uh, if, if, if you look like you're paying attention to what's going on around you, your chances of getting exploited go down drastically.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, 100% on that. Uh, Those are my two big ones. Um, The other thing that you need to understand is that, you know, human beings have like a natural, instinctual reaction to what's going on around them. You know, we're going to talk about something called atmospherics later when we get into the tactical stuff. You know, if you walk into a room, And something is awkwardly happening in there You can tell that something is awkward Even though you don't know what it is yet That's Mm -hmm. an atmospheric
1: Yeah, and and uh, that's going to be heightened If you're in tuned with your environment Which goes into what you just were talking about About using all of your senses Right, that's one of the most
0: basic human functions Is to just get a general collective feel Of what's going on Even if you don't speak the same language Even if you don't blend in at all You'll be able to tell And you lose that very important atmospheric Mm -hmm. ability If you're purposefully preoccupied With something like a phone or earbuds.
1: Yeah, it's actually funny you you bring up language because I I didn't know anything about Belize before before uh, researching this this whole thing for this podcast um, and and trying to apply it to our trip to Belize. But uh, guess what? The biggest language of Belize is well, I imagine it's I imagine Spanish. No, it's actually English. Which really. Yeah, which is, I mean, I, it turns out we, we picked the right country because my Spanish is not <laughs> up to par right now. But yeah. But um, that it, must be entirely
0: driven by the tourist industry then. I mean.
1: Uh, no, I, I, this is also something I didn't know, but it was an English colony up until uh, 1981. That's when they got their independence. So huh. I had no idea. Yeah.
0: So they've just been, up until 81, they were just, God save the queen, basically. Yeah,
1: tea and crumpets, all that. <laughs> um. Huh, how about that? I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, and uh they, they have a couple other languages, but I guess a second would be Spanish and then they also have uh tribal languages that we've come into contact with, like Mayan and they also have Creole there. So and then that all mixes in with the, the national cuisine there, which I'm excited to try. Oh yeah, that sounds yeah.
0: So there's gotta be there's gotta be some French influences there too then, right?
1: Oh yeah, or like Creole, you know, so Cajun French, yeah, interesting. It, which is the best kind? This yeah. is
0: when you're going to get attacked. Is when your just face is covered in whatever <laughs> delicious meal you're you're uh, you're eating at the time. Yeah, it's oh, going
1: to be great. How long are you going to be there anyway? I think like two weeks or so. Yeah, Fantastic.
0: that'll be a nice respite from your company. I'm very excited about that. I won't have to see you at all for two weeks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know, but um, like I said, hopefully. We apply what we learned during this podcast and it doesn't get extended for any reason, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure.
1: All right, cool. So um, let us uh, let me
0: start with a quote here. I ran across a great quote just reading about all uh-huh. this stuff this week. Okay, here we go. To hesitate is often to be lost, whether this means losing an opportunity for a meal or a mate to a competitor or losing one's life or limb to a predator in a hostile environment. So when as we get into talking about more of the tactical stuff – there is. We're going to be talking about a lot of must act now situations, and we talking. What were we just talking about before the before we started recording? With someone who, uh, who someone who just stood there and did nothing as the world came unru- unwound around her.
1: Yeah, it was a um, some self defense video I was watching where um, this this guy breaks into a household. In a, I think it was like an apartment or something, and uh, there's a boyfriend and a girlfriend sitting on the couch, and he comes up with a shotgun. And the, um, it's, is actually perfect. The guy, as soon as, as, he saw the shotgun pointed at his, his girlfriend, he used that opportunity to spring into action and grab the shotgun and try to wrestle for control over that gun. Uh, it was like a second, you know, of, of decision right there and, and stuck with his decision. That's awesome. Grabbed it and had to fight for his life. I, it had to be like a two minute struggle. But during this whole time they're fighting on the floor, they're rolling back and forth, uh trying to tear the shotgun uh from each other's hands, and the girlfriend is just sitting on the couch the entire time and completely just frozen. Wow. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, didn't didn't get up to go call nine one one, didn't get up and kick him or throw anything wow. or wow. or go scream for help. she just stood there wow. completely frozen.
0: Well, you know, we always talk about, you know, human beings and their their innate nature when it comes to fight or flight. But it's actually fight, flight, or freeze, and freeze is actually the most common one because people who don't have any training or any, have no idea how to deal with anything, they go into condition black, and that's something we'll talk about later. Yeah, where they're just completely non-functional; they don't have any brain activity; they're not processing information, yeah. and they're just they're they're just hiding oh, in hiding in plain sight, hoping that everything will go away. That's all uh-huh. they're doing which is completely yeah. insane to me.
1: Or the way I see it, it's just like uh like a dial up modem in their head. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's just too much stimulus and and can't connect those, you know, those connectors from the brain to to your limbs, just completely frozen, you know? Yeah, it's crazy thinking
0: yeah. about that because I remember, uh, you know, when I was in the academy and, you know, time was going by and people were being weeded out and people were quitting. Like, you could tell that some people just aren't made for what we do. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it was really easy to see, like, when things went sideways, it, it, people would go right into condition black and they just they couldn't process anything or make their muscles do anything
1: yeah, at all. Yeah, I did, I did see a lot
0: of that for sure. Absolutely yeah. wild. Absolutely wild. So, before we move on to like more of the tactical stuff, uh, a little bit more groundwork that I want to lay on stuff like this. So when you're in a strange place and hopefully you have some type of partner, or, you know, someone who can get your back, or whatever, it's really important to have a main plan and a backup plan and a backup plan and a backup plan, mm-hmm. especially in a strange area. Um, you and I were both familiar with the pace method. Yeah. Primary alternate contingency emergency. Like yeah. I'm really big about this out in the field in our harsh environment, especially with communications. You know, we have the, the vehicle radio. We have our handheld radios. We have a satellite radio. You know, we Mm -hmm. have our cell phones. You know, I mean, you never, I've used all four in the same day and just barely gotten away with it. So you have to have backups for backups, you know? So things like, things like designated meeting places, you know, because just the other day, the cell service down here went down for like a day and nobody knew how to get anywhere because a lot of our guys, they're completely dependent on their phones to navigate through the field, which is completely insane to me.
1: Yeah. And it, it blows my mind that I've, you know, I learned this from the military and I've never applied it to travel before. Um, and it seems like a lot of common sense and, and, and bare minimum effort to apply this can, can go a long way. Um, and it, it could have already come to play in my, in my family's lifetime already. Uh, I remember a, um, because my my grandparents live in in San Diego with us, you know, by the border. Yep. And they got a call uh in the middle of the day one time, someone claiming to be my brother and saying that he was in jail in Tijuana. Oh wow. and needed to be wired $5,000. Oh man. And um they, they he said the right name and everything and wow. said their names and um look, luckily enough they 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 were sharp enough at that point to catch on and they were asking him questions about me and about uh, our dog. And, um, if, if you have, uh, I thought a good idea would be to establish like uh, a safety word with your family. And so like in, if you ever get, uh, taken or get in trouble and, um, you can, you can, you know, you guys can translate that safety word and know that they're talking to you, you know, which would have, uh, you know, solved that issue right away if that's something we establish. And, and could be established for any of your family members like no matter when you're traveling or where you're at like they, it's just something that that they can exchange to know that they are dealing with you or to know that you're alive you know
0: yeah this is something that you that you definitely should not play around with this is like basic espionage 101 yeah. like these are like the greatest simplest non-electronic i mean mm. uh, just like just fantastically the beauty is in their simplicity yeah i remember <laughs> i was in basic training in the military and they gave us a safe word when we were in the dorms and so that we could use it if something went horribly wrong and the drill instructor wasn't there. And the word was penguin. Very hard to use in conversation. Yeah. So you had to go way out of your way to use it. And so this guy, the the, the the dispatcher calls our dorm you know, every two hours to check up on us. And this kid, he didn't believe that it was actually a thing. So he did it. He said the word penguin in a sentence. And then all of a sudden... The black the Blackhawks came and the fast Ropers came and they just like stormed stormed our barracks because they thought something was horribly wrong. So this is not something to play around with.
1: Wait, this really <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I, that is insane. Yeah, well, it's nice to know they were on what, it because they are very yeah. fast and very thorough. And what, was it like MPs or who? Yeah, it was or, MPs, yeah. 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 That is hilarious.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, this is something you have to take very seriously because.
1: I imagine they gave them a, a nice little lecture. Well, they or, gave all of us a lot of extra uh, extra PT
0: to do. Wow. Yeah. yeah
1: we, we didn't have anything like that. That's oh, crazy. no kidding. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: It, it's funny to think about now, but at the time, it was it was very nerve-wracking. We, 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 all, we all thought they were just going <laughs> to strangle us. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah, even though we weren't really involved with it so
1: yeah but um yeah there's there's a lot that goes into to this like uh little things you can do um while still in, enjoying your trip definitely i was seeing things like um yeah of course like make your your travel and your whereabouts known to your family um and also like leaving a trail of breadcrumbs is is something i also learned which means like um yeah, like social media could go both ways for this. Like, because I know that um, a lot of these predators down south they they prey on social media yeah. to to look for targets, but also it can be used to to lay a trail of breadcrumbs bread in case something does happen to you. So people know like where where you were at which times, and then they can look for you know different possible targets in in your social media. People following you. Um I mean I mean that's just one example of leaving a trail of breadcrumbs there's also just giving updates to your family pictures and um geotags of where you are at each time um which would be in a, a contingency right there
0: Yeah absolutely I think there's a, I mean there's a ton of merit yeah. uh, to all of that for sure I mean I, you know me I'm anti social media but I mean there are ways it can be used for good but you have to be really careful because social media is extremely exploitable Oh, yeah. Exploitable. And uh, and like
1: I said, they're they're preying on people down there uh, using their social media because um, one of the other things we'll be going into is not making yourself more appealing to the predators, like uh, what you wear, what you're flashing, what you're driving. Right, and that's right. all people do on social media. So it's just like, uh, you know, waving the stake in front of the wolf.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's all people do. I mean, we talked about it in the first episode, you know, social media is all about. You know, just presenting a fake version of yourself to the world, and everyone wants to be rich and affluent, and yeah. of course, that's how they're going to present themselves to the world. I mean, you are just you are you're peacocking to the to the criminals, <laughs> yeah, which is unfortunate. Here's another thing I think is is worth doing. Um, I, I love everything that's non-electronic. I love things that can't be intercepted, all that kind of stuff like that. So I, I love designated meeting places. You know, if we get separated, where are we gonna where are we gonna meet back up? What time are we gonna meet back up? What do we do if the other person, you know, misses the link up, you know? So it's, it's, it's really important to have, um, to have plans like that. You know, I mean, like I said, if the cell service goes down and you had already split up to go do different things in the city, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to go back to your hotel and wait for somebody, you know, for six hours while they're in, in dire need of assistance.
1: Yeah. Especially in a place you don't know. And, uh, and most of these places, unless you paid the the price, your, your cell phone's not going to be working. Right. Yeah. Are you gonna do that? Are you gonna have an international
0: uh, cell phone situation?
1: I uh, I have no. I I think she will. I mean, she did. Yeah. Okay. For the other trip. So. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, somebody needs to have that. Yeah. Which I think that's that's really important. Yeah. So maybe not quite so much in in this situation, but you know we talked about language a little bit. I'm, I mean, I'm I don't know. I mean, my Spanish is okay. You know, mm. just because of the part of the world we're in. But if I was traveling to anywhere else, I mean, I would want to learn, you know, just you know, basic phrases like, "Hey, I need help." You know, yeah. if you can say, "I need help" in another language, and then you use the international "follow me" yeah symbol, like you know, maybe your buddy is is bleeding out in the alleyway behind well, you, it, you. Yeah, you
1: know? at least we've heard that line quite a bit in Spanish. So. Oh yeah, we hear that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're well familiar with the Spanish version of that. Uh, you know, where's the nearest phone? You know, uh, I need a policeman. I need a doctor. You know, where's the hotel called? Yeah. Insert the blank. Just really easy stuff like that. You know, because not every city is laid out in a grid. Have you ever been to Boston? Boston's insane. Uh, Boston has absolutely no rhyme or reason to it at all because they started with a very small area and then just built outward with no plan at all. You go to New York City, it's very easy to navigate. Even in Boston, you're lost within two minutes. Oh, wow. It's amazing. So, uh just a really easy thing to cover and uh and uh, and just to make sure that you have, you know, one extra backup plan. There's yeah. always room for one more. Not backup only
1: plan. language to um to like use for yourself but also to like understanding language that might be used against you like to know people are talking about you. You know, yeah. obviously like gringo would be an obvious one. Right. Well, uh, what's interesting <laughs> is
0: that one of the most common, you know, like in uh, like in English if we're going to say, hey, we're, hey, we need to kick that guy's ass. I'm going to kick that That's what we say, you know? Yeah. But it been in Spanish. I can't remember what it is in Spanish. But the key word to listen for is madre because wow. they say something, something, mother. Like the, the, the translation is, the literal, literal translation is, let's hit him in the mother. So if you can listen for
1: those keywords, you know you're about to get, you know, attacked. Oh uh, Yeah. You know that they're speaking inflammatory about someone. So you want to see, have your senses going up to see if it's you, you know?
0: Right. right exactly. Exactly. Cool, man, what are you doing for uh, like what equipment are you taking with you?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've I still been um, deciding after this this uh, this podcast. Um, and there's a couple of things that we can discuss whether it'd be a good I- idea or not. Um, but yeah, I'll be taking um, yeah, we're leaving all of the wedding bands, the engagement rings down here, but we are we did talk about taking like a large amount of cash. Down there for yeah. emergency that will be like either with us and concealed or like concealed back at the hotel depending on what we're doing. Um, so I was trying to find things to carry or conceal that because uh, I'll also be taking. What? Here's a question: What do you think about fanny packs? I think that they look stupid, but they're <laughs> incredibly pragmatic. Okay, I mean I'm, you well, look I'm like an you absolute. You yeah.
0: look so stupid right now wearing that. Yeah, but but that's going to be very hard to rob.
1: I mean, it's very hard for, yeah, especially depending on, I mean, there's a million ways to wear it. Like I have it across the the chest right now. You can wear it in front or side. Yeah. Uh, Obviously the way it was intended would be the easiest way to compromise right there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. No.
0: Yeah. The way you've got it is you've, is you got it right across your, right across your navel basically. And it goes under one arm and over your other shoulder. Yes. And, uh, that would be a trick to get to that. In yes, a also
1: a, a practical concealed carry option.
0: Very. I agree with that. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Uh, speaking of concealed carry, you know what the most underrated weapon is? Like the most underrated innocuous weapon? I thought we weren't going to argue on this podcast. <laughs> on <laughs> we're this not, episode. We're not going to argue about this. I'm, okay. I'm uh, so and, uh, and eliminating, it, eliminating uh, knives yeah. and guns, you know, or or brass knuckles yeah. or any of the obvious stuff. Like what is the best weapon you can have?
1: Um, Whatever you can improvise. Is, it, is okay. it something that you okay. improvise as a weapon? Okay, field expedient
0: weapons. I'm good with that. But yeah. it's something that you can carry with you all the time.
1: Uh, Pin, key.
0: Sure, sure. I'm good with that. How about light? How about an incredible flashlight? Oh yes, that, light that's
1: that's, is... that's also one of the 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 things I was going to bring. Uh, the, so I was I was going to try out a couple methods for um like actual self defense objects or or weapons that you would be able to to take or find down there. And, uh, yeah, one of the options that I didn't think of until researching this was, was a light. I mean, it's a great one here. So I, I, yeah. I don't know why I didn't think about it Yeah, it is abroad. More, dude, a, a light, light is incredible. And something that is very bright and very sudden
0: can disorient somebody for, I think it takes about eight seconds for the eyes to dilate. So especially if yeah. it's dark out, you got, you got five to eight seconds to disorient someone and then add space and adding yeah. space is one of the best things you can disorient
1: do. Disorient or, or, um disarm them you know like if if yeah. they're making a plan to mug you pit pocket you or catch you off guard as soon as you shine that light on them it might just completely take their plan out of action and they're going to move on to the next prey
0: right like we said if you're paying attention then you're much less you know you're much less a uh, 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 of, uh, of a target yeah and if you can illuminate them from a, a safe distance you know 21 plus feet we'll talk about that later but if you can keep them aware of the fact that you know, that you know they're there, they're probably gonna move on to the next sucker.
1: Yeah, not only that, but you can take in so much information because you know, now they're illuminated and you can see uh like what how, how big are they and um do they have a limp or any injuries, do they have any weapons on them, any bulges on their exterior that might be weapons? Right. Are there more than one, you know?
0: Right. So not only is light like a great weapon. Uh, but it's also great for gaining information. I mean, that's that's an excellent point. Yeah, and it's the one of the most innocuous things. Ain't nobody at the TSA gonna tell you you can't take a flashlight with you.
1: Yeah, and then also if you did have to get hands on, it's it's actually a really good weapon. You, you could punch with it. you yeah. can smash with it. It's got most of them have like the skull crusher at the end. So it makes a a great hands-on weapon option as well. Right. It's also a great
0: tool for getting other people's attention, like other good guys, other neutral people, getting other people involved in the situation that's going on around you. It will draw attention to the attacker and that is, uh, that's not favorable to them at all.
1: Yeah. So that, that's one thing I'll be bringing. Um, I also, I learned from Ed Calderon, he, he was uh, a resource for some of this information I got. Um, and he was on a, like a, a government task force in, in Tijuana. He spent a career there, um, in like hi- highly, um, trained and, and partnered with American forces. And now he spends his time, um, acting as like a liaison to like the cartels, like information on the cartels and, and overall, some of the things we're going on over right now too, just like the, the predator and prey mindset. And, but anyways, um. As far as weapons he he recommended a like a paring fruit knife and uh which is like a super cheap option you could get them and especially in a lot of these these central um or these central american American countries it's like a it's it has like a long skinny handle and like a tiny little like 1 to 2 inch blade. Yeah, yeah, and you, you mentioned yeah. this the other day and I had to look it up cuz I had no idea what it was, but it looks like a great
0: option for yeah. an expedient weapon, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's an expedient weapon. Uh you could carry it on you. I'm going to try carrying it around the neck like under the shirt. Um it's very useful especially if you're doing touristy things around there, but it makes a great se- self-defense de- weapon cuz it's it's that blade is shaped just like self-defense blades. Where it's like curved back towards you. If you had to grapple with someone on the ground, you can you can slice, you can cut, you can belay, and you can try to create distance with them. Yeah, I think that's awesome, yeah. and that's and and so
0: let me just make sure I got this right. So is that something you take with you, or something you just get when you arrive?
1: You can do that. I I have one coming here because I I bought it with the sheath. Um, okay, cool. It's just a tiny little Kydex sheath that you can put on a chain. Okay, and so uh, I'll try carrying that different ways. Some of these options that we're looking at are are illegal in, in certain in, in countries. And I, so I was looking at the, the local uh, legislation on the knife laws and carry laws, and, all, and it, it had pretty lenient uh, laws, which was just nothing more than a three-inch blade in between the hours of 8 p.m. and 5 a.m., So, I mean, that opens up to, which is, I'm primarily going to be out during the day and we're not going to be doing anything at night, but, um, I mean, that leaves it open to anything, any size. Yeah. That's Uh, very, yeah. But but I was going to just stick with, um, anything under three inches because I just, a lot of these, these, um, police forces are corrupt and you just don't want to give them any excuse to try to
0: exploit that. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we hear stories all the time, like, just, just across from us, like, the local cops will just set up, like, a random fake checkpoint and just rob everybody that comes through. They just take everything they have. Isn't that, well, yeah. isn't and, that insane?
1: Uh, Americans, too. And, and I know plenty of people that have had to basically pay off, which goes into um, carrying that money I was talking about. Ed Calderon talks about, in Mexico, he's like, you can you have to think about how, in this country, you can basically pay your way out of murder. Yeah. And so you utilize that to your advantage, you know, so any trouble you could get into, um, potentially money could get you out of it and you just have to learn how to barter and how to utilize that to your advantage. So I'll be taking, um, a couple grand to just as emergency funds that I'll be probably hiding on my person. Um, and, and then also, uh, like I said, the fanny pack will have like the walk around money. And if I get into any little trouble, someone trying to mug me or trying to threaten me and uh, I can just pay, I can easily give that up, you know, and, and have my emergency stash. Interesting. Now, did, yeah. did he, did he give any like type of strategies about how to facilitate that type of transaction? Uh, no, just, I guess, um, it seemed how you carry yourself, you know, like act like you've been there before. Okay. If you're freaking out, if you're, you know, like heart rate's going up and he could see the anxiety. Or they can see the anxiety on you. Uh, obviously, they're going to know they can just completely take advantage of your your fear. Yeah. But I, if you stay cool, stay calm, and like act like you've been there before, then obviously it's going to change how that interaction goes. Yeah, that's a really good
0: point. We talk about officer of presence all the time professionally, and you and I are both field training officers, so we deal like we train a lot of the new guys that are coming into our agency, and <laughs> yeah. that's something we see all the time is officer presence. Someone with good presence who is articulating themselves is clearly in charge is being loud and mean and acts like they've been doing it for 10 years. They can wrap up, you know, five, 10 guys all at once without any trouble at all. But as soon as you show them the weakness, that's where the trouble starts. Cause they'll start planning against you.
1: So I was also looking at options for storage and possible like items that can help disguise, um, your, your belongings. Uh, I saw some pretty interesting options. Like there was like a hairbrush that had like a little handle, that oh, was hollowed nice, out. Nice. So, like, in case uh, I needed to leave that money in the hotel room, because um, I've, I've 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 had uh, some other trips where our our stuff was was messed with in the hotel, and those are all things that hopefully that they would just be brushing off to the side. Um, but there's also like lipsticks. I also saw a lipstick pepper spray that I thought might be a good option too. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, I think those things should fly just fine as long as you kept them, you know, not on your carry on and, and baggied up just in case. But yeah, no, I
0: I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, like if if someone is rummaging through your stuff, speed is of the essence. Yeah. And like you say, they just toss the innocuous stuff to the side. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. I love it.
1: Yeah. So like a lot of, um, there's like a lot of themes of like having ruse, like, Items that are meant to be taken, you know, yeah, in case these uh, certain scenarios happen, whether it's either at the hotel or in person on the streets, yeah, I think that's fantastic, and uh I mean we see people i mean we we apprehend
0: people all the time who have like all their little secret hiding places they try to hide stuff, you know like one of the one of the one of the most common ones or, or one of the most effective ones is cutting out the sole of your shoe from the uh-huh. inside and putting the the uh, like the insert back into it. You can hide knives down there. You can hide handcuff keys. We always see people hiding, you know, whatever amount of currency they have on them. Like they'll cut a slit in their in their jeans, like below where the belt goes, like right on the waistline, and then yeah. they'll slide the uh, they'll slide their money like around that seam, and so it tries to and they try to hide it like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, those are all options that I was considering. So some of the stuff we saw in the field. Uh, like I found like a belly band that keeps like a waterproof belly band that keeps it close, uh, under your shirt. So like, I would have that under the fanny pack where I keep the valuable stuff and then like the passport and money or whatever. Yeah. Probably uh, don't want to leave those in the hotel. <laughs> no, yeah. no, absolutely not. And then, um, yeah, some of the other, even like, uh, it's funny cause like everyone knows about it, but that little pocket that, on your jeans. Yeah, the little is, tiny one. It's something that you can hide stuff and people will look over it because yeah. I see professionals look over it all the time. Right. Like uh one of my last crews that I was training, um I went over one of the ones that they were patting down and and specifically looked in that little pocket and found a lockpick that I yep. I brought home with me just to show everyone. But yep. exactly it's still exactly. being utilized all the time.
0: Right. Yeah, you have to you have to double check everything, man. There's no doubt about that. So one other thing I want to add to the like the equipment stuff, you know, you know at work we all carry, you know, carry handcuffs or whatever and those are great, but Yeah. Um one of the most useful things that we also carry is that those little black nylon hand restraints. Wow. And they they're not like the big plastic flexi cuff ones, but they're just they're really minimal, uh just really flexible nylon. And just throwing a couple of those in your bag's probably cuz if you get in an altercation with somebody and you either need to create space from them or you want to wait for the cops or whatever your choice is what you need to do is make sure that they are in a state of disadvantage when you leave them and one of the best ways to do that is just carry one of those tiny little nylon uh, nylon sets of cuffs because you can you can get somebody wrapped up and you can just bounce you don't got to worry about it
1: you imagine the street cred you'd have if you did that (laughs) you (laughs) Um, came back yeah, yeah
0: you'd be the guy yeah that's awesome man for sure yeah, that pretty much I don't, I think that pretty much covers everything that I had about that. Those are all just like really basic foundational stuff.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I, now we should talk about the things you'd want to stay away from as far as like uh we talked about how you know, you're going to be uh everyone's going to know you're you're uh, a tourist. Like there's no yeah. getting uh, uh there's no getting around that, but it's more about like not being uh, appealing or not standing out from the crowd. You want to blend in with the crowd as much as possible. And so these are things that i kind of been considering as far as like the clothes I'm going to be bringing down there or hats or, um, any of the accessories. Yeah. So did you have any thoughts about that at all? Well, I mean,
0: I think, I think you've, it's, it's so ridiculous that the answer is to look ridiculous. Like you are, you're sitting across. from me. I'm not going to
1: actually, I just making. it. I'm not going to be oh, that's rocking disappointing. this stuff. That's but, just I thought you're going to be wearing that yeah. down there. Oh, that's, I saw, so I thought like, um, a, a good, um, it goes into like a whole nother principle about having the least amount of detail about your, your lifestyle or, or yourself that as, as possible. And like things that you wear, people can take a lot of information out of that. You know, like one of my favorite hats is a as a SD like a San Diego hat which I didn't want to wear because I was trying to to you know, leave a lot less information that other people could get from. Yeah,
0: that's called iconography and we'll talk about that again later, but the okay. sim- the symbols and the in the words and the, like, just, like, the general belief system that you are presenting to the world with what you wear is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah for and sure. It also
1: goes into, like, if you were to get uh, captured or held for ransom, you're able to control what you want them to know about you. Like, where, right now, like, people, so, someone can easily tell that I'm a veteran by the the boonie cap. Definitely. Or, the, the guns on the shirt. Right. Um, or, like, if you have Oakleys with the blue line on it. Like they're going to be able to tell you're a cop. Yeah. So it's like, it's about, you know, um, everything you pick out, you, you keep in mind, like what, what is it going to tell people at which you can use to your advantage? But I think it would be a benefit to have as little as possible. And in the scenario that you do get captured, you can let them know as much as you want, instead of them being able to, to take that information, um, you know, just by what you're wearing or, what you have on you if you have like the the memorial bracelets or the tattoos you know yeah no 100% we only, i know we were talking about the gray
0: man earlier and and i mean i love the gray man theory in a lot of situations this is one of them uh i mean here we are we're talking about neutrality put on a gray t-shirt and a pair of jeans and go about your business like that's about the the best thing you can do gray blends into everything you're not going to be peacocking out there to the criminals. You're not going to be giving away your status or anything like that. I think that's pretty much the best thing you can do.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's going to be hard because like I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that likes to have a lot of information on his clothes. Uh, like we both have a bunch of those running gun shirts. Oh yeah, I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, yeah, yep. The the cool guy, you know, uh, Gadsden flag hats, all that stuff. Yeah, the yeah. grunt the grunt style shirts. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> Yeah, those are all cool. Those are all things you definitely don't want to take no, with you. No, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and and it did make me think about how this carries on to, the, you know, even just how you carry yourself in in America, mm. um, the because people are t- taking in information everywhere and and considering certain things when if they want to make a, a victim out of you or not. So right, yeah. You you get to
0: have some sort of say in that decision if they're going to victimize you or not. Because because y- the information you give them helps them decide if if you're their prey or not. Absolutely. Yeah, we want to uh, we want to do the best we can on something like that.
1: Uh, anything else you want to add to that, James? I feel like that was. Oh pretty- uh, no, I forgot to add in. Um, as far as the the pace concept. Um, another thing, a new thing that I've never done before that I'm doing this time is keeping the U S embassy contact. Oh yes, And I can't believe like no, how much my family has traveled, whether it's to Mexico or the, uh, to Western Europe that they've never, I know they've, they've never once looked into like having that us embassy contact on your phone i'm glad you brought that up because i thought about that
0: earlier and it just it didn't make it onto my notes page but here's the here's the reality about wherever you're traveling nobody cares about you there the only people who might care are are at the u.s embassy they can facilitate they can be the you know the go-between between between you and the local police they can they have all those contact information yeah if something goes wrong they can get things started
1: yeah, and uh, I, when I was in the the military, we I was I was in the infantry, but that was a scenario we were training for was working through the embassy and getting um, uh, American citizens out of uh, like hazardous situations. And I know that's happening right now in Russia. Definitely, uh, that they're they're talking about pulling out U.S. citizens, and this is exactly how they would do that is through the embassy, right? Yeah, you need someone on your team uh, in an area that you don't know anything about, yeah. and the U.S.
0: Embassy is definitely your best teammate. And
1: it's everywhere, so I, I just, you know, I can't believe that we, we haven't considered that before. So
0: yeah, no, that's good. Uh, definitely make sure you have that number. I think that's going to be uh, very important should things go sideways. Uh, hopefully they don't, but uh, you know, just in case you never know. Uh, cool. I think I'm pretty good on that, uh, dude. I've got so much I want to talk about. Yeah. As far as environmental analysis, and if you're cool, I want to move on to some of that stuff. No, go ahead. All right, so we need to lay a bunch of groundwork about environmental analysis before we, we get to the end, and the end part is where you'll, we'll actually start talking about like the specific things that you can look for in your environment to cue you off, okay? But the thing we're going to be talking about here is called the Marine Combat Hunter Program. I know you've been exposed to this, James, uh, through the course of uh, you know our professional careers and stuff like that, okay? Here's the point of the Marine Combat Hunter Program. This is something that they give to Marine soldiers so that they can go into strange areas Afghanistan like this is the kind of thing they use in Ramadi Fallujah okay like the locals know everything we're total outsiders we don't understand anything about the culture okay so this is this is to help this is to help you hunt in an urban environment to find and fight your prey you know first you have to be able to zero in on on your adversary in a crowded environment and you can't win against somebody unless you're aware of who they are if you can't find them you have nothing and they're going to be in plain clothes all right so so here's what we're going to be working on the combat hunter program will help you recognize pre-attack indicators, and you can make a decision if you want to avoid them or engage them, okay? If you're not doing this, the only thing you have is reaction drills. You don't get to decide what happens first. You only can react to what they've done, and we don't want to be in that situation. So this will help you categorize people into three different categories, Good guys, regular guys, and bad guys. I think the other day you said shepherds, uh, sheep, and wolves. It's kind of the same thing, right? And a lot of this is based on universal human behavior.
1: Sheep, sheepdog, and wolves.
0: Oh, I I guess I got that wrong. Anyway, same thing. That guy's
1: clearly a sheep.
0: anyway but this will help you uh categorize people into the three categories okay so that's a little bit of groundwork that's kind of the introduction okay the next thing we need to lay for foundation to talk about all this stuff effectively is to talk about jeff cooper's color codes if you're familiar with these i think james oh yeah okay right so there are four originally there were four of them and then the combat hunter program added a fifth so we're going to talk about these okay they are white yellow orange red and black okay If you are in condition white, it means that you are unprepared, unready to take lethal action, you're in a low state of psychological awareness, There's no belief that your personal safety is in question. You're in a completely reactive
1: state. Yeah. You know, and and this is what this is. This is that uh, Instagram influencer that's taking her trip to Dubai. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Has no idea how she's just (laughs) waving the steak in front of those dogs, you know? Yeah.
0: It's steak with the dogs, man. That's a, that's a great. And this is, this is, we're in condition white here. We're at the house, you know, we're safe. We're indoors. We've got all the guns next to us. We're focused on something Uh else. We're in condition white right now. And this is the right environment to be in condition white. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, next condition is condition yellow. Understanding that your life is in danger and you are psychologically prepared to do something about it. Okay, you're actively searching for your surroundings for a threat, but you're, you haven't found one yet. Okay, this is a moderate state of psychological arrest. So if you're walking down the street and uh, you get that atmospheric sense, like yeah. some, something has changed in the environment. We're not sure what it is yet. Well, now we need to start looking. We're now to start need to paying attention. We're looking for threats. We haven't yeah. found them yet, but we're looking. That's condition yellow.
1: Yeah. Or or like if you're out to dinner with your family, you're taking the corner booth and you just you take two seconds to look where the exits are. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that's all really. I'm always the guy. Every time I go out to eat, I always have to roust somebody from their seat so that I can put my (laughs) back on the wall. I'm
1: that. guy. Yeah. See, I've been trying to to get my wife to take that, which I mean, it was really quick. So now we're always fighting for the corner seat. But (laughs) yeah,
0: well, I'm a little bit more of a lone wolf. So it's (laughs) uh, kind of
1: kind of on my own out there. I mean, but yeah, this would be a great condition if this was like the, the majority of the color you're in on vacation, but like thinking back to family vacations, like... I know my family was for sure in condition white all the time.
0: Yeah, that's, that's generally the state that yeah. everyone exists in all the time. Yeah. Because nobody has the training. They don't But care. somehow
1: even more so when they travel because, like I said, they're on that vacation mindset. Yeah, they're on a high. You know, Everything's new and exciting. Yeah.
0: We don't got to work. Everything's yeah. great. Yeah, I completely agree. So if you're in condition orange, and just say you're looking down the street. And, you know, something has changed. Maybe you see that like hooded, you know, that hooded figure on the next corner and his hands are in his pockets and he just looks, something doesn't look right. And now we're in condition orange, you know, we're looking. Okay. So condition red is the next one. Okay. And that's when you, that's when you click up to lethal mode. Okay. Willingness to kill if required. You're executing the plan you created in condition orange. That's the other thing about orange is you have to start formulating some type of actionable plan. You know, if that hooded figure turns toward you or if he draws a gun, what are you going to do about it? Your OODA loop. Your OODA loop. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to get stuck on our heels trying to decide what to do after something has gone wrong.
1: Uh huh. Yeah.
0: So, condition red is is executing the plan you created in condition orange. Uh, Even lower state of general awareness, which is fine because you're laser focused on that one threat. Yeah. You may not notice what's going on around you. You know? Uh and that's fine. And that's the highest degree of psychological arousal. Okay, so if if that guy does pull out a gun, you're using a plan, you're in lethality mode, and that gives you a fighting chance. Uh because I mean, everybody knows. I mean if you're on if you're on the uh the reaction end of uh, of a quick attack, oh man, you're you got a long way to go to win that fight.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So the fifth one that got added when the Marines got a hold of this list was condition black. We talked about that earlier where people just can't function anymore. It's typically characterized when your heart rate rises above 175 beats per minute. You no longer process information. You aren't seeing your surroundings. There's no real cognitive processing going on. We see that with our trainees sometimes, you know, and that's just based on experience, you know, they can yeah. learn and get better and and uh, and move on from that. But if you're in condition black, I mean, you you better you better shake yourself out of it because you're about yeah. to die. I mean, you just, you can't, uh, you can't function. And we talked about that yeah. last week, man. Like uh, a lot of the running gunners who came up to the stages, they couldn't yeah. figure out the rifle. They're clicking the safety on and off a bunch. They're in condition black because they're yeah. so exhausted. Yeah. Which leads to
1: condition brown. <laughs> that was, was low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit right uh, there. Yeah. Top, top drawer, James. Yeah. <laughs> <was> top drawer.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, one thing we need to keep in mind when we're considering all this is that we always deal with a known threat before an unknown threat. Okay, so once we have zeroed in on something that might be a potential issue, we typically stop scanning our environments. Okay, that's how. This is where your situation is better than mine because you have your wife. Your wife's going to be there. This is another one of those pre-planning situations. Be like, you know, you can you can tell her, hey, there's something weird there. Maybe one of you can start looking the other way. You know, so just because you're focused on something doesn't mean you both have to be because you never know. It could be a set. We always work off the plus one rule Uh in the field. There's always one more person. And if you, and if for some reason, maybe she's looking behind you and she sees another condition orange that's similar to yours, you need to add space right away. It's time to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, which is a good point. Like I know a common, like, um, like scamming theme in, in Eastern Europe is like to have a stimulus that is supposed to take your attention while you get flanked from the the rear or the side, right? Right. Know? That's a fantastic strategy,
0: yeah. you know. I mean, because we always focus on what is abrupt or sudden. Yeah, you know, and and you can exploit somebody like that easily.
1: But yeah, like having your your traveling partner or your wife is a, a force multiplier. Like, he, you know, this isn't this isn't information that you keep to yourself. This is supposed to be, you know, uh, transferred to your spouse in order to to help you guys both, you know, come back. Not as victims.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're, I mean, your teammates. So there's no question about it. So I want to talk about focus for a second. If you're in condition orange or condition red, your focus has to be absolute. Like you have to go into like a staring contest mode, especially if you have a partner
1: watching yeah. your six. Yeah, and this is like where you orient yourself to yes, the threat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
0: so you don't turn your head and talk to your partner. You don't adjust your clothes. You know, can't be distracted by environmental you know events like we were just talking about, uh, because that may be the point where you lose your advantage. And there's no point in being in condition red or orange uh-huh. if you're not paying attention. Um, I know out in the field, everybody we encounter has a pocket knife. That's just the the place we live in. You know, I yeah. mean, uh, that's the environment we live in. You need to have some tools with you. But you know, I mean, I don't. I know you and I. We've both. Uh, arrested people who have had machetes within arm's reach when we when we jumped them arrested them they've had guns within arm's reach and so your focus in condition red has to be absolute i want to make sure that everybody's clear about that
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: and hopefully hopefully you'll be able to be in gray mode this whole time you know like hopefully they're they're focused on somebody else And uh, and maybe it's up to you, I guess, if you're gonna jump in and intervene or add space or whatever the situation arises, but
1: that's my it's my vacation time. (laughs) I'm off (laughs) duty. I'm not helping anybody.
0: (laughs) Shoot. So if you're not a law enforcement official um, the, uh, the typical mantra is run, hide, fight. Like those are your three main options in that order if you don't have the training. But if you're an LEO, typically it's fight, 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 you know, barring any type of tactical retreat, which is a completely legitimate option. If you're outnumbered or the situation arises, you need to get out of there. Then, you know, that, that's what you need to do for sure. So let's talk about intuition for a second. I keep coming back to atmospherics because it applies to so much things. So much stuff, you know? So, like, what does intu- intuition mean to you, James? Like, a gut feeling, that instinctual thing that something is happening. Like, what does that feel like?
1: Yeah, I think, um like, humans are creatures of habit. We recognize patterns. Um, Everywhere you go, there's always a pattern of life. And the more that you get in tune to that pattern of life, like, the better off you'll be. And, like, intuition kind of comes into play when when something's off with that pattern, you know, like something's not adding up or something stands out and you have that little spidey sense. Yeah. Agreed.
0: Agreed. Now there's, there's some very specific actionable terminology that, that that directly relates to that. It's not spidey sense. It's not technically spidey (laughs) sense. Surprisingly, (laughs) we're going to come back to that and get a little more specific about that in a bit. But, a person's sense about a situation is influenced by experience and knowledge. And that's what builds that gut feeling yeah. or instinct. Like you have to have done it before.
1: Yeah. Or, or rec- like you said, like, or like I said, recognizing that pattern of life. You right. Know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, I think what you're, what you're saying is, is once you're familiar with a baseline, then yeah. the anomaly jumps out at you. Yeah. And that's really what you're looking for. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about baselines and anomalies here in a little bit, uh, once we get down the list. Okay. But Gary Klein is a very interesting – has produced many interesting studies about making rapid or instant decisions based on intuition. And technically they're called recognition-primed decision-making events, which is a fancy term for doing something immediately. Like we all know that a good enough right now solution is better than going back and making a perfect solution later. You know? And anytime mm-hmm. we're in this situation where time is of the essence, then we have to act now. And these things we're talking about, the more foundations we we lay as we talk about all this stuff, the better you will be able to make that instant must-now decision. Okay, So we'll keep rolling down the list here. There's a couple more things we need to lay down for groundwork. We need to talk about combat profiling. And profiling has got a really bad rap over the last two or three decades yeah. for sure because all these great pieces of terminology have been hijacked yeah. and used against us for sure. And uh, so profiling, uh, combat profiling is essential. You know, like we don't have, the, uh, we don't have the, uh, the privilege of looking around and seeing who's in uniform and who's on the other team. You know, when we're on duty, people see us and they know exactly who they are. They don't have to make any inferences. They don't have to figure it out. We're broadcasting it to them based on what we wear. So we need to use every single resource available to us to, equal, to equalize this, this fight uh, because they'll exploit you at every single chance that they get. So as far as as far as racial profiling goes, I know this is the first thing that people jump to is racial profiling. But I promise you racial profiling is completely ridiculous and we don't use it because if you focus on race or ethnicity when you're making decisions, you will absolutely be exploited by your enemy. How many people do we arrest that are white US citizens?
1: Uh, quite a
0: bit, a lot. Yeah. A lot. And the general the general theory I think around the country is that we're on the We're on the southern border. The Hispanics are the people we're looking for. That's not true. Do we arrest Hispanics? Yes, but typically the nastiest people that we run into the repeat criminals are the white guys who live in. You know the the cities; they're a little bit further north. They they they're they're drug smugglers. Yeah, the oil fields just oil fields. Yeah, been
1: recruited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. easy
0: to recruit somebody yeah. who's in dire need of money, and those are the people traveling from all over the country to get here to work at this mm-hmm. these lucrative jobs. So racial profiling doesn't do anything for us; it means nothing, right? So we can eliminate that yeah. in conversation.
1: It's kind of been put out that that profiling is fundamentally evil. And like what you're getting to is that like the input is what would make it evil or not. And, uh, but it's completely, has its place, you know, just, um, cause, uh, I keep, I keep being this down, but like recognizing patterns and which are everywhere, whether it's like the people that you're interfacing with or the clothes that they're wearing, uh, for whatever location you're in and the things that, uh, that go against those, those profilings or those norms are are the things that should stand out to you.
0: Yeah. And to me, that's what, uh, that's what, that's what profiling means. to me, profiling and discrimination. Uh, like the actual definition of discrimination are exactly the same thing. The actual definition of, of, of discrimination is to note or observe a difference to distinguish something accurately. And because of, uh, because what we're doing is using profiling to, to see anomalies, which are different than the baselines around us. That's what makes it such a yeah. such a fantastic tool. So we're not looking for a specific type of person. We're looking for a specific set of information that doesn't fit into everything else around it.
1: Yeah. So like, if, if it's, let's say I'm on my beachfront, you know, uh, hotel and or my my resort, and everyone is it has like a happy demeanor. They're all drunk. They're all sleeping. They're uh, they're laughing, and I look over and I see one person that's sweating and nervous and looking around, you know, like just looking at everything and, and scoping everyone like that, obviously that's gonna, that's gonna, that should get my attention. Right. And that's, that's where the profiling would come in hand. Right.
0: That's not normal behavior for yeah, this situation. Either. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly uh, what profiling is. And that's something you have to realize and just get over if you're going to be using the system to your advantage. Okay. So that's an important piece of groundwork. Let's, let's move on to the next piece of groundwork. So this method, this combat hunter program, is a method of zeroing in on important information, things that are happening around you. Okay? There is a thing called a heuristic. A heuristic is a fancy word for some piece of information that stands out. It's a snippet of information. It's a cue. It's something that's different. Anything that, that ma- makes you pause and say, that doesn't seem right. Okay? And it could be anything that stands out. Okay? So here's a good example. Say you're in the grocery store or parking lot, and you're loading up your stuff, okay? And you notice somebody walking in your direction, okay? And the first thing you notice about this person is wearing an, wearing an anarchy hoodie, maybe, okay? That doesn't necessarily mean the person's an anarchist. You know, tons of, you know, yeah. teenagers just think it's cool. to I don't care. Got that at hot topic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But that stands out. That is not normal behavior yeah. in a social situation. Okay, so that's a heuristic. Okay, click one up. We got one heuristic, okay? The second thing maybe you notice is uh, you know, tattoos on the neckline. Okay, that's like classic gang member stuff. Even if you aren't sure, you know, what the tattoo is, you can't read it. Like having tattoos around your neck area, the classic gang. Okay, well now have got yeah. now I've got two heuristics that are kind of pointing to the same thing, okay? Maybe the third one is that he's still walking to you and his hands are in his pocket. Okay, that's another big one. Mm-hmm. Maybe at the same time, you know, his line of travel is unnaturally directed toward you. Okay. These are all really important things to realize, but you have to understand that they are all individual heuristics. Okay. And anytime yeah. we get three heuristics that point to the same conclusion, it's called a cluster. And anytime you get a cluster, you are in an act now situation. Mm. So your only options are to let this person walk up to you and run the, you know, run the interaction. Is he up to no good? Maybe. It's it it's definitely a possibility based on what we've seen. Okay, but you're in an act now situation. So either you need to add space, you know, shut your car, walk in another direction. Is he going to change his line of travel towards you? Okay, well now we know for sure. Yeah. Okay, but you can't just sit around and do nothing. Okay, I mean, uh, what else can you do? Can you uh, create space? Do you need to find a place to hide? Can you brandish a weapon? Can you shine your flashlight on him? Can you make? Can you address him verbally so that he knows you've seen him? Yeah. Okay. So these heuristics are things that we're always looking for. Okay. So here's how we can use them. Okay, experienced people have been proven to make excellent decisions with minimal information. There's some fascinating studies that I've been reading this week. These studies show that a violent offender can be recognized in under two seconds, which is great for us to keep us out of that reaction mode. We want to realize that in advance before they get to us. Okay, you can also more accurately tell if someone is lying in under 15 seconds than you can in three minutes. Because when you add time, you add more information, you add that thought process, now you're overthinking things. You have information overload. Okay? Now you yeah. don't know what to do. Now you can't make a proper decision about something. Okay? So that speaks a lot about your instincts based on your experience. So you have to be really aware of that. Like, act now is extremely important. Okay? By looking at a group of people interacting together, you can tell that each person's role in the group just based on body, you know, body language alone you know, within 30 seconds. Okay. and all these things don't have to be cognitively processed you don't have to click up each heuristic you can do it instinctually you know if you get a little feeling that something's wrong that feeling can get bigger or it can get smaller and those are the things that you need to uh to use your uh, I mean these are act now situations you have to do something right yeah. now okay so what exact kind of information are we looking for okay so now we're getting now that we've got all the ground you know the groundwork laid out now we can talk about the actual actionable like individual pieces of information that you could see out on the street that would cause you for alarm. Okay. So first thing, first category, body language. If you've, ne- so there's a, there's an amazing book called what everybody is saying by Joe Navarro. He's an yeah. ex FBI agent. It is the best commentary on body language I've ever seen in my life. It's absolutely fantastic. Okay. So if you're more, we could talk about this for a hundred hours straight. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. So these are, these may be another resource you want to go investigate later. Is someone being dominant or submissive? Instinctually, just general human behavior. We can tell that, okay? Is the person comfortable or uncomfortable? Are they interested or uninterested? Like that example you gave a few minutes ago, that guy didn't really fit in, you know? Like, is he uncomfortable in the situation, just standing around while everyone else is partying? Yeah, so he jumps out at you, okay? he, yeah. he Okay, so now we have one heuristic.
1: I watched a crazy display of body language, um, and it's from a guy, an Australian kid named Andrew Uckels on YouTube and he was showing how he approached a a pack of lions that had a carcass. This is the craziest thing. You got to watch this for yourself. If you haven't seen this, I've never heard of this. And uh, so there's a a pack of lions that had a kill and he was explaining that, that if he approached them um, showing that he was like the top predator, they would recognize that like standing up straight, um, walking confidently eyes forward They would recognize that. And he went and took the carcass from them and they fled because he looked like a predator. Wow. Yeah. And they they can recognize that we are the apex predator, but it's just about how you carry yourself, you know, because like we know we work where there's mountain lions and where where are they going to attack you from all the time from the from your like your your neck or behind. Definitely. They're going to try to sneak. But as soon as you face them. And you can see this all over YouTube, people facing and making sure they keep eye contact with the mountain lion. It won't attack. That's so, uh, I have to watch that. Yeah. That sounds perfect I mean, it's just a perfect example of how, like, even though in these, th- you, you, the lion, everyone thinks of lions as the top predator when they're faced with uh, another top predator just the way he carried himself, they wanted to break contact. That's amazing because they yeah. could kill you in an instant. Oh there's, yeah, there's nothing. There's you could like do. three of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> Oh,
0: I have to watch it. Yeah, that. Andrew that's yeah. Andrew Euclid. What a savage. Yeah, that guy's a wild animal. Well, he's an Australian. Oh, well, that explains yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one other thing I want to talk about with body language, um, or two other things.
1: Have you ever heard of a pacifying behavior? Pass. Yes. Yes. Like um, rubbing your hands. Yeah. Like I know you. You interface with this when you interview or interrogate people a lot, mm. like either like rubbing their hands or rubbing their neck Definitely. or shaking their leg. Definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah. So the, the body has a system called the limbic system and the limbic system is, is designed to quell or squelch stress in the body. It's designed to alleviate stress. And so on a subconscious level, it will cause you to take your hands and touch parts of the body that are rich with nerve endings. You know, women typically touch touch the front of their neck. Like they'll play with their necklace or, or kind of like that. The, you know, the, the, the navel area Uh right there. Um, and this super rich with nerve endings. That's how they physically con themselves without realizing it. Men typically touch the back of the neck, you know, when men are stressed out. Yeah. Um, if someone is lying to you, they typically touch their face in some way within two seconds of having told a lie. It's not infallible. It's, it's kind of one of those overall, uh, evaluations of someone's behavior, but these are all important things to recognize pacifying behavior. So, um, and we all, we talk about baselines and anomalies all the time. Like we hang out with our friends all the time. You can tell when someone is stressed or something's not right, or they're worried about something. Okay. And if you start looking at the pacifying behaviors they use on themselves while they're stressed, you'll start to recognize a lot of them. Here's one more thing I want to say about body language. We encounter people all the time in the field. We apprehend people. We arrest them. We detain them. When we have people detained, Well, while we're investigating, we typically have them sit on the ground at a position of disadvantage because we don't want them to get up and run. Here's what always happens. If someone is deciding whether or not they can exploit us and escape from us, the first thing to start to move is their eyes. Their eyes will start to move. They'll start looking around them. They'll start looking for the weak point where they can make their escape. And then they'll casually try to get up onto a knee or get one of their – you know, the balls of their feet onto the ground. And their feet will always point toward the direction they run before they run. And if you don't stop them at that point, they're gone. Yeah. So eyes first, feet second. So if you want to know someone's intention, always remember that. Eyes and feet.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, all you could shut, all you'd need to do is shut it down most of the time just by acknowledging that you're looking at them. Yeah, if you, yeah, exactly.
0: If you can give them attention, you can call them out. Be loud and mean. You're the yeah. boss. Get them to sit all the way back down. If you need to, make them lay on their stomach. That's an even harder position to get out of. But yeah, you have to be aware of stuff like this. You can get someone's intention just watching their body language. How about the next category, which is distance? The distance from other people. Is someone far away from everyone else at a gathering? Why are they over there? You know, that doesn't necessarily mean a conclusion can be drawn, but it is a single heuristic. Is that person in observation mode? Are they trying to surveil something? Conversely, a pickpocket has to invade your personal space.
1: Yeah, perfect example. I think I touched on it earlier, but... My mom was in, in Europe and, uh, it's, it, it wasn't until after the fact that she made this connection, but she kept watching the guy inch closer and closer to her on the, on the train. And then, uh, like she w- she was like, her brain was trying to tell her, you know, like the alarms were going off, but she was ignoring them. Cause Interesting. she, she was definitely trying to go back to, you know, condition white mm. And then uh, it wasn't until a couple hours later that she saw that her wallet and credit cards were gone. It's amazing and, what those guys
0: can accomplish. Yeah, unbelievable. And, and like,
1: like I said, like her brain was trying to tell her to to beware of this person, but she, you know, turned it all off because she's never experienced anything like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's one of those instinctual things. You yeah. cannot bury an instinct, or yep. you'll get into trouble. Man, you if you you just have to realize you're never safe from a pickpocket. Have you ever seen like the? There's like uh, th- there'll be guys who are like former pickpockets, and they'll they'll have like a big show, traveling
1: show, whatever, and they'll yeah. get up on
0: stage, and they'll li- they'll like have people come up on stage, and they'll they'll talk, they'll
1: take their watch off of them without them realizing. Yeah, and it. the whole audience could see it. Just yeah, how they're distracting them. Yeah, that's, oh, it's incredible, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: just that's just interrupting somebody's general process of operation. Like, yeah, you know, like if you do something weird, like if you invade somebody's space or you tap them on the arm. I mean, their brain stops because they're focusing on this one thing, and the guy's reaching around you taking the watch (laughs) off your other arm. It's incredible. So you're never safe. Your stuff is never safe, okay? (laughs) So next category, how about movement? Movement is a fantastic area to look for heuristics, individual pieces of information, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's an example. A creep, some creepy guy, some potential threat, who is looking around... You know, shi- you know, You know, you got like the shifty eyes. You know, you're kind of like not sure what he's doing. He looks very different than someone who is, you know, looking around the same area for a friend. Yeah, you know? I mean, those are two very obvious and different things. Someone who is unsure, they're uncomfortable, they're plotting something. They just look shifty, you know. And even if you can't describe it, your subconscious mind will will understand what that is. That's a major heuristic. Okay, we need to pay, yeah. pay attention for something like that. Uh, in in the same in the same vein. You know, like uh, a typical shopper at like the Quickmark, you know, like over at the local convenience store or whatever. They look way different than someone who is, you know, making the rounds, eyeing the condom rack, trying to slide up to it on the sly. Okay, They're yeah, just so just awkward.
1: Funny. It's uh, That's that's what I, I was thinking about my time in doing loss prevention because that stuff is everywhere. You know, you have your your everyday people going in there looking for products and like on a mission for those products. And then you see – you can instantly see the guy that's going to steal yeah. and how he's he's eyeing. He keeps looking past the, the aisle and, uh, like, keeps going past the item that he wants to steal over and over. And it's just, like, worlds are different, but, like, people are in their own zone and, and, and aren't aware of it going on. Like, now that I've had that experience, I could go into Walmart and see that about to happen, like, see it everywhere because – I know what to look for. Whereas I would have probably just walked past that guy before, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the average person is just perpetually in condition. white. you'd never yeah. notice any of that stuff. Cause you're yeah. just doing your own and thing. it's everywhere. man. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah.
1: So a, a, a
0: side question, like what do you do as loss prevention? If you see that happening, like what are the steps you take next?
1: Uh, you have to get a course, like as, as far as policy, give them an opportunity to, to pay for it, but you have to always keep eye on that product. So, you know, say he takes like, um, some sort of deodorant or something and opens up the package. Like, I mean, I, I of course I know he's going to steal at that point, but yeah. anyways, you have to maintain contact with that package. Cause a lot of them chicken out and might stow it somewhere and then okay. take off and then ah. you might make a, a bad call. So you, you keep eyes on that product. Watch it go all the way past the, the, um, uh, the checkout and, and that's when you make your move. Hopefully you have an ex. uh, they, the, your employer's giving you enough assets as far as technology, uh, you know, cameras to be able to follow it all the way out. And then that's when you would make the apprehension is once they've already forgoed the, the ability to pay for it.
0: So the front door is basically like the apprehension point. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So once they go through that, it's over, you've got them.
1: Oh yeah. I've, and I've watched that at Walmart. I remember I was walking out one time and the guy next to me, they Guys came out of some doorways out of nowhere, like right past the, the sliding door that I never knew were there. They just opened up these doors and swarmed the guy right next to me. <laughs>
0: that is yeah. awesome. Yeah. Holy crap.
1: I know. Yeah, did you ever see the Seinfeld
0: episode where uh, George tries to steal a book from the library? No, I'm surprised I haven't because oh, yeah, my, par-
1: my uh, parents watched that show. That now. one's hilarious. So,
0: yeah. yeah, it's the same thing. Like, of course, Jerry sells, sells out George at the end. And he's like pointing at him. He's like, "Hey, that guy. He's got the book." <laughs> and then like all the like the nerd like want to be cop security guys. They're like they don't have any like any like any real like you know codes or anything. So they're just all yelling, "Swarm, swarm!" And they all just like run up on him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> man. That that whole industry is full of like people that are just going through you know hopefully onto the next thing. But it's also full of like lifelong you know loss prevention officers that aren't the, the cream of the crop for sure. I see. I see. <laughs> well, at least they landed somewhere. Yeah. That's, uh, I've that's heard, something. I've heard people talk about their time at like Ross, like it, as if it was like Afghanistan, you know? Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like it was a war zone. <laughs> oh, like, Oh man. That's There's sad. always somebody who's got to make a big yeah. deal out
0: of like a completely, you know, unimportant, innocuous yeah. event in their life.
1: But at the same time, man, they, those guys are putting themselves in danger for sure. Like oh, you that's have to true. think, yeah. I mean, they're dealing with like meth heads and, and crackheads, like dangerous, unpredictable people. And you know, ninety percent of the time it's successful, but sometimes they get on the wrong end. you, yeah, you know? just you
0: just never know. Yeah. Man, this past couple of years with all the looting and just walking into a store and just filling a garbage bag oh, with absolutely. everything you want and just walking out.
1: Yeah. That's insanity. Yeah, as long as it's under a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable! So people are there with calculators, like mm, yeah. oh, 997, ninety oh, seven. All put, right, I gotta
0: put this one back, and now I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then just walking out—that's absolutely insane to me. Wow. Yeah. Uh, a couple more things about movement. What about uh, what about crowded streets? That's something you'll be dealing with. I mean, one hundred percent in Belize, you'll be uh, in a place where there are tons of other people moving around all the time.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's where you should uh, make sure you're at. A, you know, like a higher color. And uh, adjust your gear, of course. So uh, adjust everything. It's crazy because, like, uh, you know, a lot of these things uh, carry over. You know, like in the military, they're teaching us to always police up our straps and our zippers and and all of that stuff. Uh, like, basically, always have your gear police. Like, no loose straps. Yeah. No torn anything. So, and this stuff carries over because you know, like, obviously, if you look like a slob, you're going to be an easier um, target and also like as far as like the physical ability to to uh compromise your your equipment it would make it a lot easier so when you're getting into these tight places obviously that uh, that you take 2 seconds to make sure Everything is zipped up and secure and then closer to the body. So,
0: yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, if you, if you paid for something and then just never zipped up your stuff, it's all going to be empty within like five seconds. Someone's going to just reach over and take it from you. Yeah. Yeah. So another thing about like crowded areas, you know, people, you know, you'll be walking toward people who are walking toward you like on the sidewalk. That's, that's a really common thing. And people walking toward you will generally ignore you, which is fine because I don't want to talk to them either. But they will always slightly adjust their angle of approach to just yeah. to just miss you on the street. So that's definitely something to look for. An attacker will constantly adjust his angle toward you over a long distance or suddenly adjust towards you over a short distance. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you can see this if you go back to, to California right now. Like, after the pandemic, people don't want to be within any close distance to you and it's it's after the fact and they're still, you know, giving you a wide berth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So here's the,
0: uh, I think this is the best place to talk about the, the, um, The, uh, the knife and gun rule. So I remember when we were trained, do you remember the distance that someone could cover with a knife before he could shoot yeah, them? Yeah, 21. It's 21 feet. Yeah, it used to be 26 feet, but they've lowered it. Yeah. Uh, so if you're not because pay- people are out of shape. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, if you are the victim of a knife attack, uh, there's an extremely high probability that you will be stabbed several times before you can draw a gun. So 20, oh, yeah. 21 feet is the the general standing rule to keep a threat from you. That's like the absolute bare minimum. And if you're yeah. conditioned white, you're never going to notice this anyway. But if you're in, you know, if you're in yellow or orange, um, then or red, even 21 feet is the rule. So if someone is closing the distance to you very quickly within 21 feet, especially after they've um, suddenly adjusted their angle to you. I mean, it's an act now situation. You don't yeah. need to have three heuristics to act. If you have one big one, it's go
1: time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Uh, so in that situation, uh, adding distance might be the best thing for you to do. I mean, I mean you're, you're, yeah. good, you can probably outrun somebody. I can probably outrun somebody that might not be an option for everyone.
1: Yeah. And, and it's interesting um, that I think that there might be a, a fear of not wanting to offend where a lot of these people might try to talk themselves out of what they're seeing. Like I see, I see it in, in body cam. It's a really good point. Videos all the time where like they really don't want to act because they don't for, for fear of, of offending or, or getting the situation wrong and end up getting killed or hurt. So, uh, I could see a lot of people trying to talk themselves out of the reality they see before themselves, you know?
0: Yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah. If you're not, if you're not prepared, you can be prepared physically to defend
0: yourself, but if you're not prepared mentally, yeah. you know, if you're not willing to use the equipment at your disposal to yeah. come out on top. And I can, I guess I can see why that'd be a difficult situation for like a typical civilian. Cause they just
1: don't deal with that. Yeah. Whereas you and I deal with that all the time. Or or like you're just simply not based in reality. You yeah. know, like, yeah. like I said, uh, we've been told our, our entire life living next to Tijuana that you're good as long as you, you stay in, in the touristy places, but that's simply not true. So like, I could see people telling themselves that, Oh no, I'm fine. You know, like when a threat is clearly approaching them and completely caught off guard or, right. or not going through those, those second secondary actions of orienting themselves and, and making it, uh, you know, coming up with a decision. So,
0: right. Right. Yeah. No, 100% agree. If you're not, if you're not ready to defend yourself, I mean, I mean, there's only one outcome, you know, if you're not willing to, like if you're a believer in humanity and you know, you want to be a hippie and everybody's cool. (laughs) I mean, you're going to be greatly disappointed in a very short amount of time. So I don't recommend existing in that sphere. I don't think that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the next category. This is a really interesting one. We're going to talk about proxemics and proxemics are just areas around you okay so we're going to talk about proxemic pushes and proxemic pulls okay Uh, people are naturally drawn to things they're interested in or things that are important to them okay so if you maybe you notice a person that has an unnatural proxemic pull okay like a celebrity if there's a celebrity on the street lots of people will be moving toward them yeah or their attention will be toward them or people will be filming them that's a proxemic pull the things around you are getting pulled toward you okay Um, a free concert in the park that's a proxemic pull, okay, mm-hmm. it draws people into them, okay yeah you, you know what a uh, you know what the candyman is, like in the marines? you ever heard of this no, yeah, okay, so out on patrol, like the marines uh they always have one designated guy who who has like all the colored pencils and the trinkets and the candy for all the kids, right oh yeah, and so once the kids figure out who the candyman is, that guy you know he has a major proxemic pull, yeah, right, so things that draw attention to people
1: yeah, and I know there's um like as far as push and pulls, there's, there's like, uh, to a large scale and to like a very minor scale, like a large scale push, push or pull, uh, example would be like immigration, like people immigrating or trying to swarm the border. Definitely. Like, uh, you know, a pulling factor would be the f- financial aspects of being able to send money home. Yeah. A pushing factor would be, you know, like terror or, or um cartel violence sure, sure. in there yeah in their a, country.
0: A, a pushing factor would be MPP, you know the way to Mexico policy that pushed a lot of people yeah, away. <laughs> yeah. you know just stuff like that anything that creates a draw or yeah. a push yeah
1: and then there's there that's the macro level and then a the micro level would be everyday right decision making
0: right yeah. well it's interesting because there are also negative proximic pulls you know like a drug dealer on the street he's pulling people in, but the connotations are negative yeah okay? so just because people are going there doesn't mean it's Somewhere you also want to be, yeah, right. Another negative pull, uh, talking about terrorism, like we just did. Uh, uh, markets commonly targeted by insurgents because that's where it will yield the greatest results for their yeah. for their awful activity, right? Uh, another negative pull, you know, like uh, uh, you know, people can use a negative pull as a tactic to bait unsuspecting tourists into traps for robbery. You know, so just because it looks like something that's good doesn't mean it's going to be good. Okay, so obviously a proximic push is the opposite, anything that repels people. And people, people will allow themselves to be repelled so that they can increase their safety, increase their distance. You know, if you're in high school and you're, you know, you're throwing a party and everybody's drinking, the cops show up. The cops have a major proxemic push. Yeah. You don't want to be there anymore. It's time to go. Yeah, okay? <laughs> That's a proximic push. Now, it's interesting that the locals, in whatever area you are, they will unwittingly reveal criminal anchor points by simply avoiding specific areas in town. Yeah. And this is how a lot of uh, criminal organizations have been brought down is because the locals just don't go near those operations. So if you survey long enough, you'll be able to tell what area is being avoided and thus uh you can get an idea of what's going on. Yeah,
1: I know like when when uh when units were in Afghanistan like when they went into the village and no one was there, that was not a good sign.
0: Right. Uh, oh, for sure, for sure. Um uh, 100%. Uh the locals will always reveal that to you. So if you're in tourist mode and no one else is there, you probably shouldn't be there either. Just yeah. as a general rule, sudden proxemic pushes are indicators of a rapidly evolving negative situation. If someone is running, looking behind them, if a bunch of people are yelling and moving, I mean that's a sudden proxemic push, you know. And in the world of terrorism, the locals always sense what is about to happen. So it's good to be cued into those atmospherics. You know, you can kind of get a general idea of yeah. what's going on in general. Okay. Uh, the last thing I want to say about that is that if you suddenly become a proxemic push and people are moving away from you. Something bad's about to happen. So you need to increase your level of awareness and figure yeah. out what's
1: going on. Yeah, I know uh like I, I remember in in college like uh a lot of of kids in mission trips to China and if you're white or if you're blonde they they'll swarm you and like <laughs> want to take pictures like you're a celebrity or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean that would be a good example right there. That's is, a great example. Yeah.
0: Yeah, anything that moves people in one direction or another, yeah. you need to, certainly need to be looking uh, looking out for that, especially if you don't know anything about the area you're in. You know, if you're the local, I mean, this stuff will come naturally to you, but yeah. in an area where you only have a couple of days to figure out what's what, you know, the lo- the way locals move is, is uh, I mean, critical yeah, to absolutely. not getting caught in a bad situation. How about the next category, geometrics? We see this all the time. You know, we work out in the field. You know, we we track people for various reasons out in the wilderness and we always find that they always take the easiest route because they're trying to get somewhere. There's no point in hiking higher than you have to. That's called a natural line of drift, right? And it yeah. applies in the city as well. All the locals know how to get to the easiest, you know, to to a location the easiest way. And again, being an outsider makes it difficult to do this, but if if locals are obviously going out of their way to take a more difficult route, you need to ask yourself, well, what is causing them to avoid that easier route? It just might be something like construction, okay? But at the same time, if you're driving around, like, you don't want to get caught in that either. So yeah. it could just be simple. It's just basic navigation. Or you could end up in a situation where everyone knows there's about to be, you know, some type of criminal activity that's going <laughs> to go Or down. running with the bulls around the corner. Or running but, with yeah. the bulls, yeah. But like, you, you're, you have your eyes on your phone and your headphones in and, you
1: just <laughs> and walk sudden, straight into Suddenly it. you look up and there's 100 bulls yeah. charging at you. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely
0: yeah. don't want to be in that situation, yeah. Uh, but speaking of natural lines of drift, um, you know, once you land in an area, it. Might, you remember the the, the scene in uh, Ferris Bueller where he just cuts through all the backyards and jumps all the fences. Yeah, he knows the natural line of drift. Like he knows the easiest way to get somewhere. So it might be worth finding out. Uh, you know, the the natural line of drift from a hotel to transport uh-huh. to the police to the hospital. Even if the phone could go down, you'll be able to get to these important areas. And uh, I think that's uh, that's probably worth spending five or ten minutes figuring yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Two more categories. We talked about this one briefly. Iconography. You know, what symbolism are people presenting to the world? T shirt graphics, tattoos, graffiti on the street, symbols, stuff like that. Uh, John Wilkes Booth, he yelled, you know, six semper Tyrannus, you know, before he, you know, shot Lincoln. And Timothy McVeigh was wearing a t shirt that said the same thing. Does that mean that anyone wearing that t shirt is a violent. No, but it's an ideological heuristic. And you should note something like that. Yeah. You know, like the tattoos we talked about earlier, like the, you know, like the, um, uh, the anarchy hoodie we talked about earlier. It's not necessarily like a full blown, this is what's happening.
1: Yeah. But this plus this plus this might equal. Right. If it's the, what if, you need to be paying attention right. to. Right. If it's part yeah. of
0: a cluster of heuristics that all point in the same direction, uh-huh. well, now we're getting somewhere. That's all really yeah. important to understand. And we talked about atmospherics a bunch uh, before, uh, positive or collective moods, or positive or negative collective yeah. moods. You know, we can generally feel what's happening before we understand why that's happening. Uh, the only thing that we haven't talked about this is that you have to be right there in the present, in that location, to understand it. Because if you're observing from a distance, you probably won't realize that at all. Mm-hmm. So that's something that has to happen, you know, uh, right at the uh, personal level. Noise levels are also really important in in. Uh, in, in atmospherics that's why having you know uh you know not having earbuds in yours is really important because usually when there's like you know that kind of like the general co- not like not negative but just general commotion of the city. yeah like
1: chatter and yeah chatter yeah, yeah chatter
0: if that suddenly dies down i mean something has happened and you need to figure out what that is right yeah. away that's a very important one uh so paying attention to these natural atmospheric shifts are uh are probably the most yeah. natural one the atmospherics as a, as overall Okay, so we talked about must-act mindsets. Okay, so there's, there's just another thing that I really want to talk about here because I use this all the time at work. And I think this is applicable to anybody, even if you're just a civilian or, or whatever the case may be. So if you're, in, if you're in like condition orange, this is how I think you should approach anything. It takes so much longer for the human mind to spool up from condition white to condition red than it does to start at red or, yeah, or orange and downgrade as you go. OK, mm. so, you know, we, we see, you know, we see officers all the time. They approach their traffic stops like they're just going up to the, the window to order, you know, fast food or whatever. It is. Yeah. They're always in condition white because, oh, this uh-huh. this drives me crazy. And this happens at our station, too. People say something like well, yeah, that that never happens here. Yeah. You know, that never until ha- it, it does. It yeah. only takes one time. Yeah. Right. So that kind of thing drives me absolutely crazy. OK, so here's here's something that the Marines use. It's called kill capture contact. Mm-hmm. And this is the order that they, that they approach any situations in. Okay. So let's use, uh, uh let's use a, we'll just do a traffic stop as an example. Okay. So just say that you, you needed to do a traffic stop and you didn't have any information about the vehicle other than the fact that it might be, you know, something bad. And that's all you have. You don't have anything else to go on. So if you stop the vehicle and you get out of your patrol car, if you are already in kill mode, that means that you are prepared to kill somebody if necessary your mind is already spooled up. You don't have to create a plan because you've already taken care of that. Mo- I mean, most people, uh, most situations in traffic stops, when cops get killed, someone just gets out of the car and starts shooting at them. Yeah. Right. So if you're prepared for that to happen, you know exactly what you need to do. You can, you can create space. You know, you can get behind your vehicle. You can draw your weapon. You can probably yeah. win that encounter. But if you're not ready for that, if you're not paying attention, if you're, you know, looking off into the field, as your, you're, you're probably going to be dead. Yeah. Okay. So I like to approach situations from the kill capture contact. Okay. So we're going to use clusters of heuristics in this situation. It happens very quickly. Okay. So you're getting out of the vehicle. Do I need to kill this person? Okay. So imagine that you, imagine that you see, uh, you know, you, you see, you see that the, the driver of the vehicle shuts the engine off. Oh, he's okay, cool. He's probably not going to run. Okay. Uh That's a good heuristic for us. Okay, maybe you see that he has rolled down all the windows for us so that he, you know, okay, well, maybe he doesn't have anything to hide. That's another great heuristic for us, okay? You can see both his hands on the steering wheel. He doesn't have any weapons that he's hiding. Okay, well, now we have a cluster of heuristics so we can downgrade from kill to capture. I don't think I'm gonna have to kill this guy. Cool. Do I need to capture him? Does he need to be arrested for something? Okay, so this is all happening before you even leave your vehicle. Okay, so maybe you can see that the the subject vehicle, uh, the rear of the vehicle isn't freighted down in the back end. That's something we see all the time, you know, whether it's drug smuggling or human smuggling or whatever it is. You know, the rear of the vehicle is always freighted down, okay?
1: Or am I going to what report comes back, Yeah, based on their information? Yeah, I mean, is is, is
0: the vehicle stolen? That's another great heuristic. I mean, is it, you know, all kinds of stuff you can get on the radio. You know, is the register owner of their vehicle have a criminal history? You know, that's the kind of thing that we'll know on the radio. That's a really good point. Okay, so uh, maybe you walk up to the rear window you can 't smell any personal use drugs that 's a great heuristic for us okay there 's no mud or fresh footprints in the rear seat that 's something we see when criminal guys they need to ferry their buddies around. They take them and they drop them off somewhere. okay Well, now we have another great cluster of heuristics i don 't think I need to capture or arrest this person. Now we can downgrade to contact yeah, do what you know what can I do to contact this person? Now we can start interacting with them. we, inter- we introduce ourselves, we get their driver 's license now we start doing our regular things he capture contact. I feel like that has kept a lot of people alive through the years, especially those Marines over in Ramadi, Fallujah. If you're always spooled up to take that lethal action, you don't yeah. have to worry about being in panic mode while you make a plan. Your plan is made.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, people that were just naturally going through the condition colors were we doing this all along, uh, like uh, which could have kept them alive the entire time instead of like having this, this formula right there in front of you. You know,
0: so. Right. Well, these are all things that are incredibly important to understand, yeah. but we certainly don't process all this information yeah. like we're talking about it. And that's where in- intuition and experience and and natural instinct comes in. Like Once yeah. you've done this a bunch of times, like you can react very effectively like those studies show without having to actually think about any individual piece of information. And that's ultimately what we're going for here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Uh I think that pretty much cover I know that's a ton of stuff like <laughs> if I man I'll tell you yeah. I would go back and take notes on this and then just look at them, you know, a couple of times over the next uh next week or so because this this is how we all survive in the field. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to be the cool guy and have all the tactical gear and you watch all the YouTube videos. But if th- this is the thing you need to understand to keep yourself and your family safe yeah. and alive.
1: And like these are things that if you just ingrain into your daily life, like it doesn't look like you know, you're walking through um you you're walking through like uh Mexico City like you're John Wick or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the, like these are all things that you just have ingrained and you just do because you've you've thought about them uh after the fact, you know, you've replayed different scenarios in your head. And like I said, like taking that corner seat for me is second nature now. It takes like two seconds of thought. Right. And it's just one of many things I could do to keep my family or myself safe or myself aware. And that's what it looks like when it's applied. You know, you just, you do these things because you've, you've adopted that mindset. Right. I know that looking like if you went back
0: and took notes on all this and then, and then looked through it, it would look like a lot. It would be a daunting task. Like how do I ingrain this stuff? But this is something that happens naturally. Like neither of us think about it anymore yeah, because now we've been doing it long enough. So that is instinctual. So yeah. we don't have to process information, but just like sitting down at the restaurant, you know, just like, uh, you know, just clicking up to condition orange from yellow, like just in case, you know, and just staying ahead of what's going on around
1: you. That's really the point here. But yeah, these are all things that, um, I'll be trying to, to, to adapt to this, this upcoming trip and I'll let you know how it goes. And then we can, we can revisit this when once I come back. If I come back, you know, Without being beheaded or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, would... if you see me on on Al Jazeera or something, you'll know I, I, I messed up big time.
0: Yeah, hopefully I don't see you on one of those like you know cartel violence reports yeah. that we get like on a regular basis. But yeah, like, oh, there's James's head right there in that yeah. in that photo. So I think you'll
1: be okay. It <laughs> takes
0: uh, I mean we all know it takes about a month to form like a solid habit in your life. And we've been doing this long enough, so I don't think you have any problems whatsoever. You might get discriminated against based just on that terrible mustache you've <laughs> got going on. But other than that, I think you'll be okay.
1: I don't know. There's some good m- mustaches down in Mexico, you know? That's true. That yeah. is one thing that the Mexican people have figured out <laughs>
0: on a, a massive, yeah. massive win for the Mexican people is mustache. Yeah, mustaches. absolutely. Yeah. Hey, so uh, I think we pretty much nailed that, James. Uh, it sounds like you might have some more
1: questions for me. Yes, yeah, five round bursts of yeah, the week. It's time for the five round burst. Yeah, the boop, 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 boom, 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 boom. <laughs> we, I think we need a bit for that. Oh, maybe, maybe we should bring really, back yeah. the song for a second or something. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I can find yeah. like a, <laughs> an
0: actual like five rounds of gunfire, yeah. and we can fit it yeah. in there that's a great idea i like that yeah okay. so this yeah. is the subject this is the segment where one of us asked the other five uh, five questions um just to, so the, uh, the you the listener can get to know us a little bit better and yeah. of course we always try to throw each other under the bus so whenever we'll and they're somewhat
1: loosely based on this whole our, our whole podcast but yeah so uh, not all the time but not all yeah. the
0: time normally yeah i mean yeah. when i'm making them i know i just try to make you look like a fool basically
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right question number one send it you're in a prison setting and all things that that prisoners are like um, materials that they can be exposed to. Uh, you obviously don't want to be the bottom bitch. I so, yeah, what are you grabbing around you, and how? W- what self defense tool are you going to form, and how are you going to do so? Interesting. So you're talking about something that I could potentially have on me all the time. Yeah, as, as a weapon, or like until it gets taken away. Until or, it gets okay. Yeah. So something okay.
0: Well, well, i mean, Obviously, the the best one is is to is to just shave a toothbrush down on the concrete floor because you can do a lot of damage with a sharp piece yeah. of plastic. Oh, well, absolutely, that's a really good one. Um, if I if I had if I was hosting somebody like we were having like a like a kind of like a, a meeting where we were going to try and you know figure out what was what with another crim. Yeah. yeah, I said, yeah, said crim. <laughs> then what I would do is I would, uh, I would take the, uh, the water afforded to me, and I would uh, take one of the wall sockets, and I would take those wires, and I would expose them into the water, and I would have that water extremely hot, scalding hot, and I would have that nearby in case I needed to throw it at somebody.
1: Holy shit! Yeah. Well, the good thing about you is that you look like you belong to the Aryan nation. <laughs> <laughs> you would you would fit right in, you know. Where yeah. I don't look as racist, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, day two, I'd be at the top.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would be in control of all yeah. the Nazis there. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, where I, I'd have a little bit more problem, you know, yeah, not you, looking so white trashy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blessing
0: and a curse. Well, I mean, you also look very goofy <laughs> as a rule. So I mean, you would be the guy in the yeah. like you'd be walking around holding like six people's pockets.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. like day one. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'd have all the commissary items. Man. <laughs> I'd be rolling all the commissary. You'd items. have all the ramen noodles. Yeah. Like you'd be that guy. Yeah, selling my nice. ass. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, at least uh, you have a plan. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: at least the, you have a plan. The 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 hot water one is very. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've worked with enough people
0: now who have lots of experience. That's the cool thing about the agency we work for. We hire from all kinds of different, you know, experience levels and yeah. different, different jobs, and so I've talked to a, a bunch of CEOs, former CEOs, who told yeah. who have told me some of the crazy things that these guys come up with.
1: Yeah, and I've the, never heard of that one. And either. the hot
0: water one, I was like, well, that sounds very dangerous, but I mean, yeah, I mean, they, they all have warm water whenever they want, scalding yeah. water whenever they want. And that's a great weapon to have around is a hot yeah, beverage. Absolutely, so that's another great thing you can walk around with down in Belize is uh, hot coffee. <laughs> that's a great field. Of uh, yeah, I weapons. think that's
1: like uh, that goes into their their. Economy, their agriculture. Yeah, I think they export a lot of coffee. So, okay. huge coffee fans. So I'm yeah. excited for that, man.
0: I'll tell you, the coffee you've made over the past couple of weeks for us yeah. while we've been doing the show has been
1: phenomenal. Yeah, this is an afternoon podcast, that's why we're changing up with a little whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it was kinda, <laughs> it was kind of nice to to mix it up and do something different. But I'm looking forward to the coffee. Yeah, yeah. yeah for All sure. right, question number two: Do you know what the Los Zetas cartel is? Los Zetas. Oh boy, they're the one. they the ones that were trained by yes, American I do. special forces and, yes. and Yes. So I th- if I have this right, I
0: remember reading the last uh, uh, one of the pr- previous reports about these guys. I think these are the ex special forces guys, yeah. and these guys are a force to be reckoned with. So here's what you got: Everyone thinks that Mexico is like a sub—I mean, like a like a sort of third world nation. Yeah, uh, it's not. And these these cartels are absolutely—I mean, if we have it, they have it better. The cartels make about fifteen million dollars a day, <laughs> is what the last estimate was that I heard. Now, yeah. now the Los Zetas are very interesting because they are ex, uh, they are ex special forces from various parts of the world, and they've all gotten together, started their own cartel, so they have all the tactical stuff. They have all the yeah, I and mean, that
1: was basically it, like who pays
0: more, so right. they
1: just. Grabbed their firearms out of the arms room and said, peace, "Peace out." Yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, so, if you're encountering, I mean, if I mean, if you're encountering cartel members, I hope it's not the Los because those guys are savage. Uh, yeah. and, and and not only are the special forces, but they have no rules that govern their rules of engagement anymore. Yeah. so they can do anything they want all the time.
1: And that was like that's they. Uh, it seems like from an outside perspective that they started the whole like trying to one up. As far as being as as gruesome as possible, yeah. you know yeah, they exploited yeah. the terror factor, I think yeah. better than anybody, and I think a lot of them were part of a different cartel
0: previously and they all just broke off anyway, and just yeah. did their own thing, and it worked for them and they' they're, they're probably the scariest cartel oh yeah, yeah, oh, by the way, so um you know we hear all kinds of cartel news based on where we work it's relevant to us. And one of the things that, that they are exploiting now is petroleum shipments. So one of the most coveted assets that cartel members can have is a ton of fuel. They, yeah. Yeah, they hijack all of the fuel trucks, and they own all of the gasoline in Mexico.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so not only are they are they setting up checkpoints and robbing people, but they control all the fuel. And if you can control people's travel,
1: you control the people. <laughs> that's what it is. Well, I mean, with the, the, the gas prices here, you know, now they have a new— yeah. New market <laughs> right yeah exactly i, I wonder yeah what, i for, wonder
0: I wonder if they're stockpiling it for themselves or going they're going they to people. They're gonna start smuggling over the border,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah anyways, so uh CIA comes to you, okay, I say, you know we're going to try to take down the Zetas cartel yeah you can you can recruit your own fire team. Okay, so it's going to be three other people, okay, fictional characters to oh, get, help, take down, yes. <laughs> help take down, the cartel. Who, who are your teammates and why? Oh my god! So I got to have three. Yes. Oh man, that's incredible. Um, okay,
0: so, so is this one like one fire team? We're all on the ground. You're going to be working together, yeah. Working, but, but we can't, like, like, can I have, like, different specialties oh, or I different units? I see what units, you're saying, like, or... Alfred
1: from Batman. <laughs> that's <laughs> not <laughs> really what I had in but, mind. But that's what you mean, like, so, like different assets? Or well, what? I,
0: I was just thinking, you know, the the best way to defeat all the cartels is from the air, because that's really the only thing they don't have is air support.
1: No, because I think they're going to drop you in there. Okay, like That's so, the whole point of so, having a fire team. Okay, so it's definitely on yeah. the ground.
0: It's going to be a direct action mission. Okay, it's going to be a direct action yeah. mission. Wow, fictional characters, um man, this is such a good question. <laughs> um, I hate everything that's related to Marvel, so I'm obviously <laughs> ruling out any of those people. Are we talking yeah. about like actual like
1: earth characters i uh, i I guess it depends um okay, yeah, I mean, it's fictional, it's fictional, so okay,
0: yeah. Okay, obviously, I mean, I mean, just straight away, I would obviously pick Daniel Craig's James Bond, uh-huh. obviously, because <laughs> I mean, he's extremely capable. Yeah, he's got all the luck in the world. He has incredible resources. He knows everybody. Everywhere. He gets
1: plenty of broads. Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, that was really high on my list while I
0: was selecting these people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think well, James. I think James- I think the ability to sexual seduce him himself into like a, a, a party or something, you know, is yeah. So yeah, that would be, I I could picture that as more of like a clandestine operation. I'm going
0: to, I'm going to agree with you (laughs) and I'm going to use James Bond as my like intelligence gatherer for the operation. He'll help design the operation. (laughs) Uh, And of course he will just sleep with as many women as necessary. Yeah, you get
1: the you get his, his se- sloppy seconds. Yeah, that that, that, that didn't that,
0: <laughs> that didn't sweeten the deal at all. All right, who's number two? Okay, number two is obviously going to be John Wick. He's going to be the such a boring answer. He is, are you kidding me? Who yeah. else? Who else wielding firearms would you
1: want on your fire team besides John Wick? He is okay. an absolute animal. Who do you think would win in a a direct direct action uh, scenario? Force on force, John Wick or Vinicio del Toro? From Sicario. <laughs> you know what I'm going to say next, don't you? What? I've never seen that. I don't know what that Oh is. my gosh. Because, <laughs> like, that answer, I mean, that would be such an easy answer right yeah, there. You no, need to, I, that's your homework for the next episode it. is to watch Sicario 1 and 2. Okay. Yeah. I probably won't do
0: that thing you just told me to do. <laughs> just as a side note. Okay, but fair yeah. enough. But
1: no, John Wick is we're talking
0: about fiction or characters, okay? So this Yeah, guy, John Wick is just such a boring answer. Yeah, but, but he's the best. That's why I'm picking him. Uh yeah, yeah that's why I'm picking him. So John Wick, uh yeah. he's going to be like the um um uh, like the uh I don't know, I guess point man is not the right word cuz I want my third guy to be the point man. Uh, but he's going to be like the fire guy. Like he's the engagement guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, my third person would be Luke Skywalker from the original trilogy. He would be the absolute best point man uh, yeah.
1: because he can just use the force to get people out of the not way. A, not a lot of anything. representation in your answers. No, they're all white men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I admit they all are. Yeah. Uh, they all are white I, men. That was no accident from the leader of the Aryan Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this did not yeah. go this did not go the way I was hoping it would <laughs> well, go. Well Luke Skywalker. So he's the point man? He's the point man. He can, can oh, yeah he I can. feel like he can do it, like what what can he do from the front that he can't do from the rear. Well, he could. Know? He could. But I mean, yeah. why would you want to put
0: somebody between the best point man and the, <laughs> in the contact? I mean, that makes no sense.
1: Okay, so Luke Skywalker in the new movies where he's like completely cucked. Oh or? my god! No, of course <laughs> not.
0: How about uh, I'm thinking like Return of the Jedi era where he was actually useful and not a complete. Yeah, loser. I think he got.
1: Didn't he get like defeated in the new movies by like the. Someone that wasn't even a Jedi. I don't know. Chick? I
0: haven't even seen them. They're oh, so yeah. stupid. I mean, don't even get me started on the new movies. I yeah. actually am a fan of the uh, the second trilogy. I thought that was much better than people who gave it credit for, except, for, of course, You're talking for, about, like,
1: the early 2001, right? Yeah, like, yeah, a, like yeah. Phantom Menace. Yeah, I know. And... My brother was just talking about that recently. Yeah, yeah those were those are pretty yeah. good, except for Jar Jar Binks. Like, I I kind of... I mean, want... now he looks... I would take him any day. Like, <laughs> you oh, see yeah. That, what yeah. disasters the new movies are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's looking like the...
0: You know, I would pick him yeah. over any other new character. <laughs> You know, so okay.
1: So you said
0: John Wick. Yeah, I got James Bond for the yeah. intelligence gathering. Uh, John Wick for just generally destroying everybody in a firefight, and Luke Skywalker for appointment because he can control people he encounters with his mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I feel happy about that. You have a mixture between like real world action heroes and. And fantasy, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> for sure,
1: and they're all white. I just <laughs> wanted to bring that back yeah
0: <laughs> hey i I recruit my guys based on merit, not based on their skin color, so,
1: <laughs> so that's where I'm at, uh okay, uh, question number three <laughs> um, Oh, that was a follow up question, huh that was a follow up question that's fantastic no this is this is a question this is this is uh three rounds of the fire rounds oh okay, gotcha, I'm lost, okay, um. You, and this might, this might be an episode on its own, but you have 200 acres to homestead anywhere. Uh, where would it be and why? Oh man, that's such a good question.
0: Yeah. Well, I would definitely get out of Texas because you can't homestead here because the only thing you can grow is dirt. (laughs) <laughs> so we're not doing that. Uh, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go all the way north uh, like I have been previously. If I was going to homestead, what situation is this like? A like an end of the world situation? No, or no. Just the, I mean, this
1: is something that like based on your answer, you could choose and and like like responding to possible you know end of the world si- situations. Oh, okay. But that's why this this all goes into your answer. Oh, just, okay, gotcha. Yeah, two hundred acres to, to build anywhere. Uh, where would it be and why? Man, um, I would probably pick somewhere
0: in the Midwest, somewhere that's fertile. I'm not about that. Flat plains. Somewhere that has plenty of mountains. Um, As far as like a defensive standpoint, you have to have elevation. So I would want that to be awesome. Mountains are just fantastic to look at. Just have a cup of coffee and just look at mountains.
1: I'm all about that. So I would do that. Um, What else would I do? I would definitely make sure that my- You can't can't, uh, narrow it down to a specific city or-
0: Oh, it wouldn't be a city.
1: I know, but like outskirts of a city. Um, man, I'm not well traveled
0: in the interior of the United <laughs> States. Like, I, like if I was going to do this, I would, yeah. I would probably go. Um, well, actually, if I was going to go in the cold, I might go straight Alaska. Just, just to sheer rem- remoteness. Uh, because I mean, I've always wanted to have like a bush plane, just flying it out, yeah. And just be like a, a like a very professional hermit, which is basically yeah. what I'm. The good thing
1: for. about the coast of Alaska is that there's so much food at your. your oh hazard. yeah, for sure. Like mussels and crabs, yeah. and shrimp, yeah, and you could survive. Salmon, you could and, easily yeah. survive. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. so much food that you could build up. Yeah, for, like absolutely, but that would be really cool. Yeah. I, I
0: like the idea of Alaska too, because the forest is amazing. You can build there's so much resources. It is. I think there.
1: people definitely get in over their head there like because it sounds romantic until you're there like i guarantee you it is hard i spent two weeks
0: in alaska once and i mean there is there's nothing there's nothing in alaska yeah so if you drive down like a main highway in alaska there's nothing but if you think you're gonna live out in the wilderness you know like 100 miles from anything you're probably gonna die because most people just watch like the the shiny instagram videos and go oh yeah i could do that like no you need to
1: take a saw and then build a house and then keep the bears off you yeah End up like Andrew McCandles. You remember that kid? No, who's that? You never seen Into the Wild or read the book? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, that rings yeah. a bell. Into the Wild. Yeah, he yeah. Ate, he ate spoiled moose and then died from poison. <laughs> no, he it was uh, like a he identified a plant wrong, but the point was he was some. Oh, okay. He was some college kid that you know thought it was romantic to to live out in the wilderness and ended yeah. up dying. Because yeah. he, wasn't, he didn't listen to our podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, yeah. We could have changed the ending to, uh, Into absolutely. The Wild. Yeah. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> That's just good marketing, man. I yeah. see what you've done there. Full circle. Good job. So, yeah, I would, Alaska. I, yeah. I would pick Alaska now. Yeah. Uh, cause you know me, I, I, I'm very good in the cold, you know, based on where I grew up. And uh, I actually do miss that sometimes. You know, it's yeah. hot down here. You guys have seriously have the advantage down here. I mean, it's like 120 degrees sometimes when we go work. But man, when it's in single digits, everyone is in kill me now mode, and I'm just out there with like in my underwear. I'm like, hey, this is this is <laughs> shorts weather. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I think I could survive with there no problem.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a good answer. Yeah. Um, I think it would be, uh, as far as like family, depending on where you were, it would be a little hard for. To, for like an actual homestead, by like the real, de- like I call this a homestead. Oh yeah, just because like um, you know I got chickens, but because that's just know how to that's do just me dipping my little toe into <laughs> the pool of homesteading. Well, what you, that that would be real homesteading. Well, what right you've there. done is moved a bunch of chickens into the city and call it a homestead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a start, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I now, yeah. Is. Now we we are like in over a head, full of eggs. So like, yeah, that's I awesome. mean, that's one thing. Like like I said, that I consider homesteading is that yeah. I don't ever have to buy. From the store again, yeah, and it's just like one thing outside of my my world, you know, that I grew up in. I think that's great, yeah.
0: but yeah, in Alaska, I mean, you're, you, you, your your full time job is just probably hunting, yeah, and uh, you know, repairing <laughs> repairing your homestead that you built on your yeah, own. yeah, lots of repairing, and yeah, flying in and out, and I mean, that, I mean, that's it. You're out there, yeah. But that sounds great because I don't have any family, <laughs> and uh, man, I would love to be like
1: a genuine hermit. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I love that. These two were, where, uh, my wife came up with these to oh, try so. to expose you.
0: So these would be much better than your questions.
1: So you're, you're traveling. Okay. What, what <laughs> is more functional for, for like, you know, based off of our, our podcast today, which, which, um, piece of gear would be more you satchel or backpack? Backpack. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know exactly what I'm going to say. I'm a sucker for an old
0: satchel, like a military satchel. (laughs) Gay. Now, dude, if you get like an old World War II canvas leather buckles and like all this great stuff. man purse. Yeah, I got you. No, it's not. Indiana Jones carried a satchel. (laughs) He was like the most heterosexual character of all time. So don't give me that crap. And he also had driving gloves, by the way. So don't you worry about that.
1: Yeah, so now they're, they're starting to get an idea of this, some, some Nazi with uh, driving <laughs> gloves and a satchel. Yeah. I like the idea <laughs> of,
0: a, of a classic satchel better. I don't these stupid messenger bags yeah. of today. I'm not about those. As
1: far as, as like... Um, Sheer practicality and Yeah, and for like though, what we
0: were talking about today, how yeah. do you think it stacks up versus a backpack? I, I think that a backpack is the, is the, the better way to go.
1: If, if For like foreign travels? Maybe. I mean, there's, there's too many factors here. Because, you can choke a person to death with a satchel. Yeah. Well, you can steal
0: everything out of a backpack
1: <laughs> instantly, you know? I mean, yeah, there's different ways yeah. you could go with it for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: I guess it's just preference. You, like you already sa- picked satchel. The satchel here. is good for international because you can always have it in
1: front of you. It doesn't have yeah. to be behind you, which is good. Well, I front load my backpacks like in the, in the military.
0: So you just look like, <laughs> like someone who's about to go rob a bank all the time. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, li- I like, I like, satchel- like a predator. Yeah. <laughs> I like satchels better. Uh, Backpacks are more pragmatic in almost every situation, but I think it's a toss-up for international travel, (laughs) quite honestly. It is. You think a backpack Uh, is better, obviously. Why do you think a backpack is better?
1: Uh, Just because you don't look as, as, you know, you don't look like (laughs) a victim, you know? (laughs) You don't look like someone they could just bend over and, you know? Yeah. You show you all 50 states, you know? Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) You do... Yeah. All right, uh, whatever. We'll
1: have to <laughs> agree to disagree on that. The satchels satchel. Cool. Okay, driving gloves, satchel. Got no. it.
0: You know that I'm from the <laughs> 40s. We've
1: talked about this. <laughs> um, okay, and then this one also is hers. Okay. Would you rather be... For a social function, would you rather be overdressed or underdressed?
0: For a social function.
1: Yeah, you show up overdressed or underdressed.
0: I typically underdress but not in not in the way you think like so in, like if i like the last time i i went to court and had to have yeah. like proper clothes on i teamed a a fetching pair of brown chinos with an old tweed harris jacket from the 80s yeah and the classic american pin tie and a white shirt and it looked very good i had the classic all-saint spatial fields you know brown leather boots looked, <laughs> they look they look very cool and yeah. so in that way i am underdressed because i don't really care about fashion and i just i just yeah. you know me i like classic things um, uh, but I will be wearing the same type of things, but it will be much older, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So no like social, like say like a, um, like, you know, like our yearly birthday drinking fest that we have. Yeah. Are you, would you rather show up underdressed or overdressed to that? Uh, I would just, I would love to be underdressed like I was at the last party you threw. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, well, you were underdressed in the sense that you weren't wearing a costume. I wasn't participating, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's underdressing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess it is a weird. I get what you're saying because you're. You are overdressed most yeah. of the time. Yeah. But,
0: well, what is overdressed? Because I, I you know, like, <laughs> remember we went to this training, like, recently? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. a perfect example. We have to go yeah. and talk about that for a second. Okay, yeah. so we went to a tactical training. We yeah. got to post that to the Reddit sometime. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so we went to a, we, <laughs> <laughs> we went to tactical training. Yeah. And we had to show up in, in you know, in civvies because it was part of the program. And we're like, oh, cool. We can wear whatever we want. Yeah. And so everyone shows up in their, you know, 5'11 crap and the, you know, the grunt style t-shirt. I'm like, okay, cool. So I was like, well, I'd like to represent my agency a little bit nicer. So so I had a, you know, a a nice pressed pair of, you know, blue Dickies and (laughs) – and uh, a white <laughs> a white yeah. t-shirt and uh, I wore a pair of braces it looked yeah. very good his and mom made him wear suspenders that day I chose to wear <laughs> suspenders that day because they looked great yeah. and of course I had a button up over the top of the suspenders and then when we went to work yeah. I took the button up off and it was just a white t-shirt with suspenders and he was asking and all
1: the guys to snap his suspenders it was really <laughs>
0: weird <laughs> but no I actually coined I don't know if you were there when it happened but I actually coined a new dress style one of the instructors he kind of came over he looked at me he's like, he's like I've never seen that before but i think that's called business tactical it's like <laughs> well, yeah i think you're right yeah i looked very good i'm not sorry about that yeah yeah he just thought of himself as as james bond in that moment <laughs> yeah. uh i do like yeah the last movie he did wear a nice pair of braces oh and, did he and highways yeah he did right. he wore braces and a. And you watched shirt. that you're like
1: i need to go buy some i did that yeah. within
0: the next two days i did order <laughs> a nice uh, old pair of braces and they look great yeah
1: yeah awesome yeah i, I think that was all five yeah all right man I feel like I did much decent better on answer. this set yes, than uh, than on the last set. Decent answers, well, fantastic. The first one was a little boring for uh, that fire team right there. Uh, wow, well, yeah, but it would work. It's like very. It's like a Glock. Glocks are yeah. boring, but they're the best. Yeah, yeah. Just like AKs are the best. <laughs> yeah, I noticed you're wearing the AK47 shirt. Like, I-, I thought we <laughs> we squashed that debate. We last did. Time.
0: Yeah, if you didn't listen to the last episode, technically the AR is better than the AK. Yeah. We decided that yeah. by a large margin. I admit, because yes. I have integrity. Uh, Thank you. But I like the AKA, and this is actually a coffee hat. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's your favorite coffee brand.
1: Which brand is it? it? Well, I can't say it because we
0: don't want to diss on them too bad, but it's your favorite (laughs) coffee. And that's actually a blend Uh of espresso that they offer. Awesome. Yeah. So really good. Anyway, Real uh, quality stuff. I feel feel like that went really well, man. I know yeah. there's a. I know we t- covered a ton of ground on that environmental stuff. Yep. And so, highly recommend that you go back and just take a couple notes and start implementing this for the next thirty, sixty days. If you're listening to this, and it will become a habit, and you won't have to think about it anymore.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is something that should be applied to your everyday life, but for some reason, people are more off their guard when they're when they're traveling which I don't seem to understand. Yeah, well if you're on yeah.
0: vacation then your objective is to not work. Yeah. And I think that is a, a a poor frame of mind to be in because along with that you just stop thinking about what's important. Yep. You know, and I think that's pretty much going to be it.
1: Yeah, so cool. I guess we're trying to breed a bunch of non-victims you know yeah that'd be ideal yeah that'd be ideal we'll see if it works i mean i'm gonna put it into practice you know a month from now <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean either you'll come home and, yeah. and tell us great stories or yeah you'll be or you're gonna yeah. see me on reddit videos yeah. it
0: yeah. didn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah As get my don't listen to the show yeah. <laughs> don't listen to the show yeah okay cool cool man i think we pretty much nailed it uh, i think it's pretty much time to sign off here so always remember this you're either prepared to encounter adversaries or you aren't ready or not here they come